Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast. We watch a randomly selected horror movie every week. Except for this time, where we're not doing that. Yeah, we're not We're not doing that. Sorry. You really need to come up with a better, like, intro bit. Yeah, well, most of the time it is accurate, though. A majority of the time. I would say 95% of the time. Well, I mean, it's... Every board episode, every holiday episode, every guest episode, it's always random. I never know what it is. You don't know what it is, but I know what it's it random is. It's random to me and the audience. I guess, but I always feel like everything that isn't a board episode isn't random because we're, you're not, like, selecting from a, a group of unknowns. Sure. So That's it's fair. technically not random. Yeah. It's a, it's a mystery episode. Mm. For you. For me. 100% but of the time. But it's not... Well, not 100% of the time. Well, okay, yeah, I was Sometimes say, you know, like, holiday episodes, but... I try not to know on holiday episodes. If you ever go, like, should I tell you, I always usually say no. Yeah, I know. It's not exactly, like, a, a random thing. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we're watching Friday the 13th today. Yeah, we are. This is kind of a cool experience, uh, because it wasn't already obvious. We've watched Franchise on the show before. We've started some. Very specifically, like, the actual show, Boy mm-hmm. the Board, and... The implication there is that we're going to have to finish them eventually. Not the implication. The hope is that we finish them eventually. We'll get there. However, our format's not really made for doing that, especially because I don't feel super comfortable putting, like, multiple sequels on the board, even if we've covered the initial episodes. Yeah, that's fair. Because it makes those episodes kind of, I think, harder to approach. Because mm-hmm. it implies you have to have seen the original episodes. Especially with how we talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we basically have to relegate everything we don't cover on the board to covering somewhere else. And, you know, sometimes we might have an excuse to cover later entries on a series. For instance, we covered, what, 4 and 5 for Halloween? Yeah, we did Halloween 4 and 5. On our convention prep episodes. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of fun, but that's probably not a normal thing. Because for similar reasons, I probably won't release a sequel for a holiday mm-hmm. yeah I'd, that'd be weird if we did one for a holiday i never thought about that it's also kind of frustrating because like the only reason i'd see doing that is if we released the original for a holiday and mm-hmm. then we were like let's do the next one the next year yeah um, but that's frustrating from like i think an audience perspective because it's like oh they just did the same thing two times in a row <laughs> and i waited a year for it well yeah i mean sometimes there's exceptions but mm-hmm. like Anyways, whole idea now is that we're basically going to have a separate kind of thing where we'll finish up series. Mm-hmm. But to like celebrate that, rather than finishing up a series, we thought we'd have our inaugural like mini series on this part of the uh the show cover a full series. Very uh, specifically oh. Friday the 13th. I'm really excited to watch all these films. I'm dreading 12 of them. <laughs> because it's like we what is the maximum we've done for a series? We've done what? 4? Yes. And that's Halloween 1 2 3 4 and we've also done No, uh, 5 cuz Halloween 3 1 2 3 4 5. Oh, but actually 5, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it might have been Hatchet cuz we did all of Hatchet. Well, that was 4. That was only 4, yeah. But still, we've not gone this far into a franchise before and I'm scared. I'm so excited. Cuz what if it's going to happen when we get to 10? You know what I mean? Like 10 or 11 You're gonna and gonna I'm just going to love 10. I know I'm going to love 10. 10's Jason X and I've Heard you squeal about Jason X. I want to watch Jason X really bad. You don't. You barely know anything about it. You're just like space, space Jason. It space Jason, awesome. No, I'm just like, 
I don't know. I'm worried about the longevity of this franchise in my mind. Oh, yeah, that is a valid concern. Because I'm just like, is I'm just going to get that. <laughs> are we going to get to four and five? I'm going to want to kill myself. I'm not going to lie to you. There, For any franchise, obviously, but especially for slasher franchises, uh, there is a very big concern of things getting stale mm. after a while. Yeah, especially once uh, films transition to more like cash grabby sequels mm-hmm. uh, rather than like sequels filled with love. <laughs> Not many of those. A few. A few. And depending on what franchise you are, there might be a lot. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, Child's Play, you're 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 good for the most oh, part. I want to watch those really bad. Anyways, yeah, there's actually some concern about like how well you'll like the sequels. Uh, with that being said, you'll find this fun thing that happens in horror rather than most other franchises where the directors and the producers are like, okay, guys, look, we're not making fine art. We're making horror movies where people get killed. Mm -hmm. We don't have to make a good movie as long as we give the audience what they want. Mm. And most of the time they deliver enough to give you a fun experience. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. I think the point being is by the time you start to get tired of the premise – your ideas about what you want from the film will have just transitioned to, oh, I'm going to see someone kill someone mm. else. I think the best example of this is with Halloween. Yeah. I mean, by four and five, you're just like, I just want to watch yeah. Mikey just kill murder people. some people yeah. in cool ways. It's like, I don't care about all this plot. Exactly. Because it's not good anyway. Yeah. So you're able to like separate yourself from the movies if you don't enjoy them. However, I think one of the cool parts about these long-running franchises is because they're so long, both movie-wise and time-wise, uh, you can get a lot of different experiences, and the movies can be significantly different. Not always. Some films are very similar. In fact, a lot of the films in these franchises are similar in a lot of the same ways, but hmm. you get like a different writer and a different director, and you can get some weird spins. Okay. Not to mention, like since it's over time, culture changes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if we're going back to Halloween, the first one was made in what, 1979? Yeah. I think so, yeah. And the last one was made in like 2022? Yeah, God bless. We haven't watched those yet. And like, obviously, that's a... It's a big time difference. That's a big time difference, and that's going to affect what films are produced. So I think I think you'll be okay. That's what I'm trying to get out. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm okay, but I'm, I'm worried that if, like when we get to the later parts, I'm just going to be like, God damn it. Nah, it'll be a good time. I hope so. But yeah, anyways, getting back to it, uh, we're starting with Friday the 13th. Uh, This is going to be kind of an oddity. I don't know how often, if ever again, we're going to be doing something like this where we start a franchise and finish it. I wouldn't expect that, mostly because we already have a lot on the table that we need to finish. Yeah, I was going to say, we have a lot of stuff that we've started. So don't don't expect something like this again. Most of the time it's going to be like... We started this uh, this uh, these movies on the board. We're gonna finish the franchise uh, in its own little thing mm-hmm. off the board. So, like for future reference, if you're looking for like episodes like one through five for Halloween, they're gonna be scattered around somewhere else, mm-hmm. and then we're probably gonna finish it here. Yep. Okay. On that note, uh, we're actually gonna get into talking about the film. If you're okay with that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm oh. scared. <laughs> Don't be scared, Bob. That's mm, I think always you're gonna, say that. I think you're gonna have fun. I'm sure I will have fun. But like, look, this is one of those situations where like, I don't think Michael Myers is very scary. No, you and used I don't to. think <laughs> the first Halloween is very scary anymore. But like, this is the first time I've seen this film. 
So if I whine and cry like a little baby throughout, uh, to be expected at this point. Yeah, but I, I think you'll have a good time. I For me, Jason's probably my favorite, the big slashers. Mm-hmm. I just think he's great. That's fair. A lot of fun. So I, I, I think you'll have a good time, especially because our opinions usually somewhat line up. Sometimes. It depends on the movie, but yeah. At least for enjoyment. Yeah, and also, like, a lot of the movies we've been watching lately are very uh, polarizing. So it's like either we love it or we hate it. So it's like hopefully this is one of those ones where we both like it. Because could you imagine if I hate this movie somehow? That would be insane, right? That'd be weird. That would be weird. I think it would be out of character. Just know it's more of an issue of I know what films you like. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening. That's fair. That's totally fair. But I'm just saying. I think like, you'll like this one. I'm very excited. All right. I think this is a fun conversation to have now uh, before we actually start like talking, talking about it. But what do you know about this movie? Jason exists. Okay. He kills people. Mm-hmm. He drowned in a, a lake, Crystal Lake. That's the name of the lake. Okay. He drowned in Crystal Lake and is returned for his revengeance or and some that's shit. That's all you know about this movie, right? Yeah, that's all I know about in general. What do you know about the franchise? Uh, well, I've actually I've seen the remake. I think we decided it's the remake. I'm pretty sure it's Yeah, I'm pretty one. sure I've seen the remake. I, I saw that. Well, I'm not. Are we sure you saw the whole thing or just a scene? No, I saw the whole thing. Okay, because all you remember is one scene. No, because I remember how it ends. Okay. If well, don't, don't describe it. I'll of mime that. it to you to make sure I'm with the. Is that is that right? Or no, is that that's just one? that one scene. Oh, is that? That's, a, that's all you remember. It's just the one scene. Well, that, I thought that was the end of the movie. Nope, that's just a scene in that movie. Well, I've seen a lot of that movie. I think. I I. Not sure, because you only remember one scene well, no, from that movie. I would describe more scenes, but I don't want to spoil it for the audience. Oh, okay. But that's, like, pretty sure it's the remake. Um, other than that, uh, his mom sucks or something, right? She's, like, evil. That's Because I, I didn't really play the game, but I saw other people play the game, and she, like, would talk to him in his noggin and make him, like, do bad stuff or something or the other. I don't know. I'm just, like, spitballing here. Okay. No, I'm just curious. So, like, I know, and then the audience knows. Yeah. Okay. Hockey mask, machete, you know. The usual. Yeah, usual killer stuff. Yeah. Okay, you ready? Sure. Cool deal. All right, we're going to get into this. Uh, Description. It's the movie that started it all. Came out in 1980. Ooh, it's a clean 80s movie. Clean 80s. Uh, It's an hour and 35 minutes long, and it's rated R. Okay. So not too bad. Is there an unrated cut of this? I'm just going to ask now. I don't think so there's an uncut version of it okay i was just curious because like you know how i am if like we're gonna watch a movie i prefer an uncut or unrated version usually but like sometimes they just don't exist because i i find that most of the time it adds to the film rather than take away okay so it's gonna be like the classic thing here um that you've heard a couple times but so very specifically with the friday the 13th franchise like i'm just gonna prep you for this now so i don't have to tell you later although it might come up again the MPAA notoriously had a bone to pick with Friday the 13th. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Now, this is a thing that you'll end up seeing with a lot of the big slasher franchises where they cut extra hard on them, mm. like harder than they would other films. But that was particularly the case with Friday the 13th. And so, like, well, a lot of them released, like, R and stuff, they would have a bunch of stuff cut from them. Mm. Um, so okay. that's important to know, like, going in, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for most of those films nowadays, there is unrated versions. They mm. are Blu-ray only, right? Okay. For the most part. I, we can check if we can find them streaming, but they're usually just Blu-ray options. Yeah. Part of the reason for that is when you cut something from a film, 
it doesn't get put in the film. Mm-hmm. And so usually the quality of those outtakes isn't Not as, as good. good. Yeah. And so it doesn't make sense to sell the film that way, especially because sometimes it's like an option in the menu to turn it on or not. Okay. Just thought I should mention that. Uh, Which, by the way, if you're ever buying Blu-rays, do your Blu-ray research first. Don't just buy any Blu-ray that looks cool because, like, some Blu-rays will have features that some don't. And that includes uh, footage because with some of these films, like, that cut footage was lost for a while and was only found, like, more recently – so if you get different Blu-rays, might not have stuff. Good to know. Yeah. So does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay, cool. I was just curious. I do think there's an unranded Blu-ray for this film, but... I'll probably buy it. All right. Uh, review scores. IMDb gave it a 6.4 out of 10. Not bad. Tomato meter, 63%. Not bad. Audience score, 60%. Okay, this is like a pretty a pretty good like spread. Yeah. Like it's pretty average. It's pretty decent above average, I guess. It's pretty... I don't want to say unexpected, but, like, better than you'd think for this film. I don't know. A lot of people really, really, really love this movie. Yeah, but, like, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the greatest. Sure. I guess my point is, like, you can really like this movie, but the first film in a franchise like this doesn't have to be good. It just has to be iconic. Sure, that's fair, actually. I didn't really think about it like that. Because, like, this slasher stuff. But yeah, like but the first Halloween is incredible. Yes, but that's a different thing sure but that film didn't have to be like good it just had to be iconic it was it was good and iconic right but it only had to be one okay especially because this is post slashers so i guess like, that's fair and that was kind of right before. slashers were established genre exists you just have to make it watchable <laughs> if you want to make money all right uh awards i uh, had six nominations but no wins mm. all right notable actors adrian king as alice uh played Queen Dreams and Private Nurse in Tales of Poe. Janine Taylor as Marcy. Uh, She played Samantha Edwards in The Royal Romance of Charles and Diane. Robbie Morgan as Annie. She played Rosalie in What's the Matter with Helen. Kevin Bacon as Jack. Holy shit. That came around fast. Yeah. I would, man, what episode? That was an episode we did a while ago. We talked about Kevin Bacon being in a horror franchise, I didn't know what it was. I assumed it was Tremors. Yeah, we also talked really recently about um, more famous actors like starring in like horror movies when they were really, really early on yeah, in the career. Yeah, that was the same conversation. Yeah. It wasn't Damn. the same conversation. Yeah, it was. Yeah, was it? Yeah, we oh, talked I about it right back to back because I was yeah. like, Kevin Bacon, Tremors. I was like, we'll watch whatever that movie is soon. Yeah. Full, knowing full well we were going to do this. I had no idea. I know. That's awesome. Yeah. I like Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, he's also... Great man, Valentine McKee and uh, Tremors. Oh, we gotta watch Tremors, I dude. Love Tremors. We have to watch Tremors. You've seen Tremors? Both? Yes. Yeah. I love Tremors. It's great. Fantastic. It's ground Jaws. <laughs> That's why Bob <laughs> likes it. It's like Jaws, but without the fear of the ocean. Yeah, man. It there's ugh, the worms just look so fucking cool. You're not worms. Okay. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, Harry Crosby as Bill. Uh, played Steven from Double Trouble. Uh, he was on one episode. Uh, Lloyd Bartram as Brenda. She played Karen Campbell from Another World. Uh, she was on 84 episodes uh, from 1978 to 1979. Mark Nelson as Ned. Uh, played Josh in the rewrite. Peter Brower as Steve Christie. He played an auctioneer in Arthur. Rex Everhart 
as the truck driver. He played Maurice in Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty cool. (laughs) Crazy old man Maurice. Crazy old man. You know, were you ever in Beauty and the Beast? I was in Beauty and the Beast. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, that's why you're making the joke, man. Uh, There is an amazing... So I did that show when I was in high school. And I played LeFou, Gaston's little friend. And it was me and my roommate, Jesse, who you know. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole sing that we, so, a whole sing, a whole song that we sing about crazy old man Maurice together. And it was so fun every time. It was so good because our other friend, Dylan, was old man Maurice. And we would sing it to him to make fun of him. And he would get so mad. It was awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then Walt Gorney as Crazy Ralph. I played Duke Domestic in Trading Places. <laughs> Duke Domestic. What a name. Reminds me of Duke Nukem. I guess I'll wait to tell you the, uh, you know. I was about to say, do uh, you're not gonna tell me who it is? Yeah, we'll wait. It'll be a surprise. No, bro. Who is it? Who's who? Who's Jason? You don't want me to wait? I can tell you if you want. I mean, why wouldn't you tell? Is it like a spoiler? No, but I think it'd be cool to wait so we can talk about it afterwards. Okay, I guess. Because like we're gonna have to talk about the Jason performance in particular. I guess. Is it someone I know? Is that why? No, but like for the most of the reason I'm doing this for like future reference, mm-hmm. we're gonna come to films where like you know someone, mm-hmm. like you know Kane Hodder's in. The I series, love Kane Hodder, but you don't know which movie it is. I know he's in. I know one that he's in. Y- you know Jason X. <laughs> we but talk about Jason X so much on this podcast. That's never fucking. You seen know it. nothing about it. You just know the premise is Jason in space, and you find that very funny. <laughs> I do. I, it's entertaining. I kind of want to set the precedent of not telling you who the Jason actor is until you've seen the movie in case you want to take a guess at who it is. Okay. That's actually kind of fun. Yeah. Okay. Sure. We can do you that. You okay with that? Sure. Yeah. Like, I, I could tell you now if you wanted. No, we can save it. It's fine. You sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, I didn't run that by you before we did this. No, I was confused. I was like, is he not going to tell me anything? All right. Director Sean S. Cunningham. Uh, he's also directed Deep Star 6, which um, definitely one of those films that only got made because Sean S. Cunningham was attached and he made Friday the 13th. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I've seen it. It's not that bad. Oh, okay. It's a little bit odd because, like, I'd never heard about it because mm-hmm. um, I watched it a long, long time ago. And it was just, like, on Amazon for free. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that tells you something. They, By the way, lots of uh, low-budget, not-so-great horror movies on Amazon for free. I mean, yeah, it's there are even video. good ones on Amazon for free. You can watch Return of the Living Dead if you got Prime. No, I know. I'm just like, there is a shocking amount of, like, lower-budget or B-movies mm-hmm. on uh, Amazon Prime. Great place for looking for, like, horror movies if you're into that, like, grouping. Because, yeah. I mean, I really like Return of the Living Dead, but it's also not, like, a mainstream horror movie for the most part. That's weird to me. Like, it's famous I love now, it. but it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways, interesting movie. Underwater. Are we, oh. I was going to say, could we watch it on the podcast? Is it a horror movie? Yeah, it's a horror movie. I just like... Okay. It's, an, it's a water horror movie. <laughs> I hate it. All right. The writer's uh, Victor Miller. Really? Hasn't written a lot of other stuff. Oh, interesting. I mean, he has credits on like all the Friday the 13th films. Okay. Because like characters buy. But, mm, um, okay. You know, classic movie stuff. Mm-hmm. However, he did write 192 episodes of All My Children. From 1985 to 2006. Is that a sitcom? Uh, no, All My Children is a 
I don't know what that is. I've never heard Daytime of it. soap opera. Oh, it's like. a soap. Okay. Uh, what's the one your mom really liked? Uh, Days of Our Lives. Yeah. I do want to mention, though, that like there is like an uncredited writer for this film. Oh, that's cool. I don't know how much he contributed. Um, like I know Victor Miller was like the writer for this film, but the guy who's uncredited is Ron Kurz. Hmm. Something else he wrote, Eyes of a Stranger, and uh, 1981. That seems familiar. Now, I don't know why. I'd, it's probably not. Fair However, enough. I do want to mention right now, we'll see him later on another film in this franchise. Oh, so that's, that's really cool, cool, actually. Budget estimated at $550,000. It's not a ton of money. No, it is not. It's a lot more than I was expecting, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I was expecting somewhere between two to 300000 But, like, five fifty is not bad. I mean, considering, yeah, this is a pretty low budget movie. Like all things considered, mm-hmm. yeah, for like sure. that's that's a pretty good budget, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in the eighties for so a like, horror movie. This is a a B movie. Like slashers that had already caught on. Slashers were being pumped out, not in like big volume, but like you know, a film comes out and there's copycats of it successful. Notably, this being one of the first ones, obviously. Uh, but you know, five hundred fifty thousand is pretty decent. Uh, box office though is even better, thirty nine point eight million. God damn! Wow, you wonder why there was sequels. No, I didn't wonder. I knew <laughs> it was going to be big because this movie's really popular. That's a lot of friggin' money, mm-hmm. especially in the eighties, man. Yeah, with inflation and everything. I mean, at the end of the day, which uh, fun lesson for anyone who uh, ever wants to become a successful movie maker and make like a huge franchise. Doesn't matter how good it is. What matters is the hype. I mean, that's basically what happened. I mean, fair enough. Irregardless of how well you like this film or not, what got it to $39 million is not it was this amazing original slasher movie. What got it to $39 million is there was a lot of publicity. Mm. You know? I mean, yeah. It's a, it's a, I mean, I like this movie. I think it's pretty decent. But you don't reach $39 million numbers with just being a good movie alone. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially in the 80s. You Nowadays, you marketing. do breach that pretty easily, but well, that's yeah. a very different um, economy. <laughs> They're also a very different movie market in general. Yeah. Very good example of this, by the way. Sharknado. Oh. Which uh, basically is the best example of any publicity is good publicity. Mm-hmm. You don't really remember when that film came out, I'm guessing. Not really, no. I remember when that film came out. I watched it when it came out, too. Uh, but it was a sensation. Yeah. Like, it was on the news for, like, a week. Like, big news channels, too. Great. Good example of it. What were they talking about? Just, like, how weird this film was. Oh. And because everyone else was talking about it, they kept talking about it. Mm. Interesting. Um, and it's what made that franchise happen, because it was a sci-fi series that wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. I digress, though country of origin united states mm-hmm. there is a uh working title for this film oh and you can tell me if you like this one better okay i mean it's hard to say that because like friday the 13th is so iconic it's iconic yeah a long night at camp blood it's pretty decent i don't hate yeah i actually like it it feels generic though it does feel super generic friday, the, friday 13th. the 13th is like it ha- but maybe that's because i know it's like a long-running franchise that people love i, I think know. friday the 13th is a better franchise name. That's fair. Than A Long Night at Camp Blood. But that's like a good like... Single s- movie, low budget slasher name. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But it's not. it doesn't pop out at you at all. Mm-mm. The only benefit, if that had been the actual name of this film, 
we probably wouldn't have gotten Leprechaun. Leprechaun wouldn't have existed. So, you know, that kind of sucks. You okay, Bob? Explain? Okay. You hadn't figured I was this confused. out yet. Well, not Leprechaun might have still existed. But Friday the 13th, the name, right? Mm-hmm. The name's Friday the 13th to hop on to a certain trend of holiday-themed horror movies that oh. were really big. You might notice there's another slasher that came before this that's also a holiday-themed horror movie. What is it, Bob? Uh, oh, Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> was that serious? No. Okay. I was trying to come up with <laughs> a good joke. I thought you actually blanked. Well, Halloween, not as big, but was a film, uh, Black Christmas. Oh, yeah, Black Christmas, Both too. really, like, holiday horror movies. Mm-hmm. I and love Black so, Christmas. like... Friday the 13th kind of jumped on that trend. By making up, a, not its own holiday, well, but like a spooky holiday? A, s- a notable date, and that's what their title name is. Yeah. To kind of get that same mm-hmm. feel. I mean, it worked. Yeah, no, it's good advertisement, too, because you'd be like, we're dropping it on Friday the 13th. Did they? Uh, I believe so. Hell yeah. I actually don't know off the top of my head. I know they I dropped some of the sequels at Friday on Friday the 13th because I remember seeing advertisements. Well, it just makes so much sense. It does. It do. absolutely does. I mean, it's like how they dropped some of the Halloween films on Halloween. Totally makes sense. Works perfectly fine. I believe it was released on Friday the 13th. Okay. I can't tell you. It was released on June 13th. Okay, so I can't presumably tell you Friday the if 13th. If that was a Friday, but it would be yeah. weird if that wasn't a Friday and they're dropping on a 13th. Yeah. Okay. I think what we're talking about, the name being Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. funny story that also has to do with how they got so much money for this film. Okay. When the name was uh, changed to Friday the 13th, I think it was the writer. Because mm-hmm. um, I think Cunningham had originally come up with A Long Night at Camp Blood. Uh, and then the writer uh, proposed Friday the 13th. Victor Miller. Anyways, when the name was proposed, there was some questions about like whether that name had been used before. Oh, okay. Who knows, you know? <laughs> and so what Cunningham did, and I will say this was probably also to like create some hype for the film as well. Kind of a, a double-edged sword right here. Uh, is he made a really big news advert for the film? I think it was like the New York Times. Oh, my God. Uh, it's also where he che- he also tested a bunch of stuff, like the logo and stuff there. There's a logo? Okay. Well, like, not a logo, but like the... The font and everything for like How the, word. the name yeah. looks on like posters and stuff. Basically, he did like his concept pitch in a newspaper advert. That's actually really cool. To see if, like, the public would respond. And the public thought it was really cool. But we're also like, wow, this film that's being made right now <laughs> it looks so great. Oh, no. <laughs> and I mean, it technically wasn't production, but it was not as far along as people thought. Anyways, that got the interest of investors. That's, that's like, really how cool. it got so big. Uh, in part, is because of that news advert. You're really putting your money where your mouth is if you're just going to, like, not have a movie and put in a, a giant ad in the New York Times. You'd be like, I think, look I, at this. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I think it was promising things like the scariest movie ever. Oh, my some God. bullshit like that. That's awesome. So, you know, a lot of fun there for him because it worked. <laughs> I can't. That's insane. All right. Tagline. Oh. Th- this is, I'm sure there's other taglines. I say this a lot, but this is the one on, like, Kind of the most popular, like, period poster. Mm-hmm. You know? They were warned. They are doomed. And on Friday the 13th, nothing will save them. It's not bad. Not bad at all. 
No, it's not bad at all. No, I was yeah. I feel like a lot of, with a lot of these older films, the tagline kind of blows. But like yeah. that's not bad at all. No, like, it's that's not. pretty solid. Okay, uh, I'm getting into some facts now. I do want to mention. Uh, I think I said to this to Bob off the podcast, but like I forget what other film I had this disclaimer for. But like this is a super 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 famous movie in the horror community. Yeah, you know, obviously. I'm not going to say anything new that hasn't been said somewhere else and also better. So I'm just not going to have a lot of facts here. Uh, there will be things we're like, we'll discuss when we get to discussing stuff. I think that's how I'm going to share what I know about this film mm-hmm. with you, both Bob and the audience. But like, I'm not just going to regurgitate facts at you. Yeah. If you want that, I'm pretty sure there's probably documentaries on this film. Oh, there have to be, at right? At the very least, go buy the Blu-ray and just go watch the special features. Yeah. They're super cool. All right, first off, Cunningham had previously worked on Wes Craven's The Last House on the Left. Oh, I've heard of that. I didn't know that was a Wes Craven which film. Which is a very early Wes Craven film, and also one that I can tell you right now you're not going to like Oh, at all. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's just going to make you very uncomfortable. Oh, I don't want to watch that now. Mm-hmm. You know what I just thought about? We it's in a totally genre we've talked about off the podcast that you don't want to cover. That's the only hint you're going to get. Let me know if you can figure that out. Probably not. We've talked about multiple Wes Craven films at this point. We could totally do a category that's just Wes Craven movies. Oh, yeah. Wes Craven's great. Yeah. I mean, he's done some fucking cool shit. I've seen some of it. You know, very famously. Mm-hmm. At least for me. This is not what he's most famous for, obviously. Yeah. But he he's made a movie, and I have that poster on my wall in my room, which is... That says a lot about me because it's it's a very creepy poster to have <laughs> in your room. I'm trying to think of what Wes Craven films you would have a poster and for. It's, it's also scream. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be in your most feared category potentially. What huh. could fit in there? I'm not sure if it's going to go on there. Hmm. The hills that have one. eyes. Oh, Wes that's Craven also Wes that. Craven. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jiminy Christmas. I don't know if you've ever seen the poster for that movie. No, I haven't. But it, it's got uh, Michael Berryman who plays Pluto. Just like looking, <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> looking at you, I was I was thinking I wouldn't even. Oh God, I was thinking like Scream or Nightmare on Elm Street, like those Wes Craven movies. I mean, yeah, but not I just, not I those like, movies. I just like Michael Berryman. He's a cool dude. That's fair. Oh God, now Wes Craven films scare me. <laughs> uh, yeah, his his early uh horror films were a little touch and go. Well, we'll say that. I guess what I'm saying is, is you're not gonna like. The Last House on the Left, if we ever review that. Mm. But I'm not okay. sure if we're going to. Sorry if you like that film, but I I don't think Bob would necessarily want to ever watch that film. Damn. It's one of those? Maybe. Okay. We might watch it because it's Wes Craven, but, you know, still. But also, like, it's one of those films that I've actually heard of, so that, like, has some credence to it being, like, not popular, but, like, culturally impactful, I guess. I mean, yeah, and I, I think... There's reasons it's culturally impactful, but like that doesn't mean. Could it be an interesting watch for you? Yes. Do I think you're necessarily going to enjoy it? No. Okay. I mean, do you want me to tell you the genre it's in? Oh no, I think I that have category? an idea. What is it? What are you thinking? Well, you know, we you know I don't like cannibals. Oh, it's not a cannibal film. Oh really? Yeah. Well, when you said isn't Hills Have Eyes cannibals? Yeah. I assumed it was a similar no, idea. No, it's it's a separate category that I think we've talked about, and you were like, I don't really think I want to cover that. Oh, no, that one? 
Which yeah, one? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to watch it? that. I, I'm not gonna say that. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about now. And you're right. I don't want to. But we will eventually. Probably. Yeah. It's one of those ones that we should cover because there are a lot of films in the. Not a lot. There are a number of films. It. Okay, maybe there are a lot, and I don't like the fact that there are a lot of them. There are a lot of films in that genre that are culturally relevant and or impactful or but they important, make Bob uncomfortable. But they make me very uncomfortable. Which is fair. I didn't know that's what that movie was about. I don't like that. <laughs> I told you. Yep. Fuck. So that's so you don't ask me, when are we watching that? Because I know, yeah. I know you won't be excited. Oh. All right. Next, film's shot in September uh, in, like, New Jersey. Okay. So there you go. Shot in my, my home state. Pretty sure it was. Is it your home state? Not my home state. My dad's home state. Ah, well my family's home state. Those are very different things. Well, I was like, are you from yeah. New Jersey? No, I'm not. But my dad was born there. My grandpa and grandma live there. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah, shot at shot at like an actual Boy Scout camp. Oh, that's actually really cool. Yeah. Very much uh, sleepaway camp style. Actually, well, used to camp. The other way around. What? I I other way around, Bob. You said that was very sleepaway camp style. Yeah, it's similar because they're both shot at, this, at an actual camp. It was very Friday the Thirteenth style because this film's more. Older. What I'm saying is they did the same thing. Well, yeah, but Sleepaway Camp did it for a reason. Well, be- yeah, it's because Friday the Thirteenth made forty million dollars. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, and then last fact I have for you because I know uh, you're really, 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 really going to be into this. Okay, certain man was hired for the film's practical effects. His name's Tom Savini. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, Dawn of the Dead had come out at this yeah, point. Yeah, he'd done Dawn. Everyone loved that. Oh, and so no. That, that, that got him a lot of work. Oh, no, that's oh. not an oh, no. No, 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 no. It's an oh, no for my stomach. Oh, I, I, I think you'll be okay. I, I'm just more mentioning it because, like, it's important to note that that's the film that kind of kicked off his career. Yeah. I mean, that's why we watched it. And it's, like, why he got this role. Yeah. Like, the fact that he's associated with this is because of that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh no, because like you know, his pra- his practice look really good. Yeah, and I'm just real now. My stomach is gonna be really upset. Like maybe we'll see. I don't know. I didn't throw up on Day of the Dead, and that had probably one of the grossest things I've seen in a movie. Good movie. Good movie. All right, that's all I got for now, though. All right. Uh, whew. I guess. Uh, guess we'll see you guys in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching Friday the 13th. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Those are Bob's thoughts on the movie. See you guys next week. I mean, I don't want to say anything yet. I know. But your hmm, I think was a good enough statement. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. It... You need to talk about it before I start talking, because I don't know how to feel yet. Yeah, shut I up, haven't Bob. finished processing <laughs> the movie at this point. Okay, I guess I'll do a very quick non-spoiler-like summary here. Uh, but as always, go watch the film mm-hmm. if you've never seen it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Go watch it if you've never seen it. Yeah, this is uh, this is a movie where like you haven't seen it, and you have an interest in seeing it. Just please go watch it before we start talking about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a slasher film. The kills are kind of the whole point, and if you don't know anything about the kills, that's true. I I like them. You know, it's kind of still surprising, but if you know mm-hmm. the kills, there's nothing. There was one that I was just like, God damn. Yeah, but if you <laughs> know all the kills, not to, like, spoil anything, but if you know all, like, there's nothing else surprising in this film. Now, to get into, like, the quick summary here, uh, basically, this guy, his name's Steve. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like wearing shorts. or 
he likes wearing jean shorts, but no shirt, but no shirt, and uh, a bandana around and his neck, high socks, yeah, but low boots, mm-hmm. yep, and, and a mustache. Well, he doesn't wear the mustache. Unlike the guy in Sleepaway Camp, he's not <laughs> wearing his mustache. His mustache Fair. is real the whole time. Uh, anyways, long story short, uh, Steve is re- reopening Camp Blood. or it's called as, Camp Crystal Lake. As it's officially called, Camp Crystal Lake. The townsfolk call it Camp Blood. Yeah. Because, you know, it's got a death curse. <laughs> Either way, the locals aren't happy because they're like, that place is cursed. Like, yeah. In 50 Seven, a kid drowned there. In 58, two people were murdered. Mm-hmm. And then there were a bunch of fires in 59, There was I think. fires in, like, was it 59? I think it was, like, the year after, yeah. Fires. Someone else has tried to open it. Mm-hmm. There were some issues then. That might have been the fires. I don't remember. Um, at one point, the lake went bad. Oh, I don't remember that being mentioned. Or, no, it might have been the water went bad. Maybe. Just basically a bunch of issues over the years, like, since 57, where it's been like random things have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just been really weird. And so all the locals are like, God damn, Steve's been working there a year trying to reopen the camp. And of course, things are going to go bad again. Of course. We keep telling you guys this. And now, you know, camp counselors are showing up and they, they're like, guys, leave. Mm-hmm. It's bad bo- bad business. Yep. Um, and of course, none of the counselors listen. And what the movie is, is basically... Them getting picked off one by one. Yeah. That's it. You know, very simple, basic premise. But yeah, okay. Uh, We're going to talk about the movie. As always, spoilers. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So please go watch it first. I hate to be the one to spoil stuff, especially in a film like this where, like, the things that we spoil kind of make the the movie. Yeah, for sure. Kills are the especially one. That's... That's really what you're there for. Yeah, I mean, that's what most people watch Slasher for. So if we tell you about them, they're not going to have as big of an impact. They're not going to be as important. Because then you know who lives and dies, and that's kind of boring. Yeah, and also, like, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the fun parts of this movie, but, like, there's not too many. Yeah. All right, uh, on that note, we're going to get into it, and we'll give you a heavy spoiler warning whenever we need to talk about, like, heavy spoilers, but Mm -hmm. general spoilers from here on out. Okay. Do you have anything to say, Bob? Yeah, so, look, I like this movie. It's good. I just, it's not uh, what you were expecting. It well, not even oh, kind of because I know you. W- I could tell you went into it going, it's gonna be just Jason chop 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 bodies bodies bodies. No, I didn't. Re- so I didn't really go in with that mindset because. Oh, did you I, not? No, because okay, I knew good. it was the first in a slasher series, and normally, going off of Halloween standards, the first one normally is pretty slow, slow and chill, which I was expecting, and I'm fine with it being slow and chill. I just. This one's very slow. This one's really, really, really yeah. slow. And, like, it was basically, the movie is just me waiting for people to die. But I will say this. All the kills paid off. All the kills were worth the slow, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big issue a lot of people have with this film. Like, okay, you were in a better place than I think most people if you were like, this is going to be kind of slower. Yeah, I expected I it to that. be. Most people don't. Yeah. Most people are like, I'm going to see Jason coming in here, machete high in the air, and just chopping. Just bodies everywhere. And, uh, no, it, it's a really slow film. Uh, yeah. Because it's the first in a slasher film franchise, mm-hmm. which means we don't even see the killer for a while. No. There's no point in revealing the killer because, like, the killer's never been on screen. So it's kind of suspenseful. It's that unseen danger. Mm-hmm. Which makes a lot more sense when you take it into the context of no one has established who the murderer in this film is. No one knows Jason as a killer. So the fact that he's not shown is actually scary it's interesting you know yeah and i mean uh, they this film takes it a step further and i think it's part of the reason it's so slow we're like i mean 
besides the cold open, mm-hmm. you know, because there is a cold open kill. Uh, but besides from that, you don't really get to see the killer again. Yeah. Until I don't it's know, a while. Twenty minutes in. It's quite a while. Yeah, and I think that really sets the tone for the whole film. Of this is slow. Because mm-hmm. after that, it's like you see something prowling in the distance in reference to it. Yeah. But I think there isn't another kill after that. I mean, they're really that spaced one apart. Until another 30, 40 minutes in. Mm-hmm. But then they all happen, like, right at the end. Yeah, but I do like that the fact that it's, like, slow like that because it allows... To build tension. To build tension, and I, you know me. I like suspense films. They're fun. They're, like, my... They might be my favorite kind of film we watch on the show because they're not... Like, Hack and Slash is fun at times, but suspense films are actually scary, and this didn't... This scared me, but it didn't scare me. It unsettled me. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think it does a, a good job trying to, to build all that up. I think it's just very hard because it's basically impossible as a modern audience to view this as just, like, a standalone film. It's Yeah. That was intended to be a standalone film. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you see that, like, that slow, steady buildup of, is there someone stalking in the woods? Are they going to kill people? Are these kids going to survive? It's just... It's hard to get that same suspense you're intended to. Yeah. Uh, because, like, you know, looking back on it, we know this is the start of a franchise. We know, like, we're watching a slasher film. We know the tropes of that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do want to mention here that, well, I think it it does a decent job being, like, a pretty standard, like, horror movie. Yeah. It's hard to, like, enjoy those things that it does to be a standard horror movie due to, like, where I personally come from as an audience member, and I think a lot of people do. No, that's totally understandable. And I totally get why people would have an issue with it. Okay. Do you have anything more general to say, and then we could probably move on to talking about something? Yeah, I have something more general. Okay. I like the fact that most of these people that are in this film are around the age they should be. Oh, yeah. They're all like 20-somethings who are camp counselors, and they all act like 20-somethings that are camp counselors, and it's really fun and entertaining. Yeah, interestingly enough, that is is like a thing. In yeah. a lot of slasher movies where you have teens acting like teens, mm-hmm. at least back in the day. Yeah. I mean, we really haven't gotten a good slasher franchise, like a big one recently. No. I mean, they're still made and everything. Yeah, I mean, Scream 6 came out, what, not that long ago. But we haven't had, like, I mean, I, I always forget about Scream. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Because they're, they're a little bit different. But, like, mm-hmm. we haven't had a, a Nightmare mm-hmm. or a Friday the 13th in a while. Yeah. But those usually get, like, teens- college age kids yeah um, to play college age kids which is always really nice no it just feels nice because it's like it, it adds to the immersion i guess of being like oh yeah i could see young kevin bacon doing this thing oh my god kevin bacon looks so young <laughs> he's so young in this film at first i didn't recognize it's him so weird watching it it's because, so weird like i'm used to tremors age kevin yeah bacon. Th- i was gonna say i love tremors mm-hmm. and so like that's how i always picture kevin bacon is same late 20s yeah mid 20s uh, something like that yeah and then I'm kind of used to how he looks nowadays. Yeah. Because he just looks slightly more grizzled than he looks in Tremors. Yeah. Which is fine. Still yeah. like Kevin Bacon to me. But Kevin Bacon in this film is just kind of always a bizarre thing for me. A, because I the first time I watched this film, I was not expecting to see Kevin Bacon. Fair enough. I was like, it's the Footloose guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But like, it's also just weird because he's so young that he hasn't really grown into, like, his features yet. Yeah, he's really young. Like, he still looks, not like a kid, but young. Yeah. It's just bizarre. It's really weird. No, but I like the fact that they got, like... They act like 
shitty college kids. Yeah, like they do dumb shit. Like I guess spoiler. Oh, fucking Ned. Ned is such a fucking turd. Oh, he sucks. He sucks. But they do dumb stuff like play strip monopoly and smoke pot and like wander <laughs> off. Strip monopoly is so stupid. Strip monopoly is so stupid, but it's totally <laughs> something you would do in the eighties if you were bored and like at a camp by yourself. No, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, hundred percent. If you don't have like people play like strip poker and stuff, no, but they don't strip have strip poker. That's okay. What if they don't have a deck of cards? They, you're telling me they had a game of Monopoly and not a deck of cards. Yeah, because it's a kid for kids. They had to have a Monopoly on hand for they the kids. They 100% had a deck of cards. I just think Strip Monopoly's funny. <laughs> no, this is solely because Brenda was very into Strip Monopoly because <laughs> she references having played it before. Yeah. I think that was a kid who played a lot of Monopoly by herself as a child uh. and realized... She can get people naked doing it. But fair enough. Monopoly but, hustler. But once again, like, that's something dumb 20-year-old kids would be like, you know what? No, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of writing stuff in here that's like, it's not the best, like, younger kid dialogue or, like, younger kid stuff, but it's fairly convincing. Yeah, like, I could totally see something stupid like that happening. It's basically campy 20-year-olds. Yeah. Like, it's what I expect to see them acting in, like, a campy movie like this. Mm-hmm. It's not... Um, like the most accurate thing ever, but it's not like unbelievable. No, but it all fits. Yeah. It works. I like it. All right. Anything else for like general stuff? I got a couple points we can cover. I mean, do we want to talk? Well, nah, I'll leave it. Okay. So my turn. Yeah, you go. Okay. First off the back, I want to talk about the music here. That's a good point. Talk. It's done by uh, Harry Manfredini, who does a great job. It, the music is so fun. It's 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 really 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 evocative and good at like I think heightening the tension for sure for I w- sure I would go so far as to say that like most of the tension in this film comes from his score uh, which is especially impressive because it's so sparse there's really only I want to say three different like tracks that we hear and two of them might be the same there's like no music in this film and that is something I want to point out for you because I don't think you noticed. There is no background music in this film. No, that is something I noticed, but it was something that like I appreciated a lot. Mm-hmm. Because in movies like, I don't know, Halloween, for example, yeah. the music is super important because it's like it, it sets the tone and it's very um I don't know, like it, it it times a lot of stuff really well, but because there's no fucking background music to to time anything to it makes all the jump scare shit so much harder. Yeah. Because it's silence, and then it's just snap broken by some bullshit. And it's so fun. I also think uh, the lack of music was to... How do I put this? It was to not take advantage of the audience. Mm-hmm. So, like, in a normal film, you put background music into a scene to, like... Tell the audience how to feel. Set the tone. Yeah. Set the mood. It's kind of cheap. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's a standard tactic to filmography. Yeah, sure. It feels wrong to be like this is this tool that everyone's using it's bad yeah exactly but it is kind of like a cheap way to get like emotions and feeling out of someone and Mm -hmm. so for this film to go nah we're not going to use that and you just have to watch the scenes and feel the way you're supposed to uh is pretty cool it's pretty yeah i like it but like what bob said is in doing that it makes the times you use music stronger yeah the way this film does music is either a it's actually in the movie like there's a couple scenes where someone's just playing a guitar so we get to hear guitar Mm -hmm. 
forget what the exact word is for it when it's like in movie music. Oh, I have no idea. It would be a stage term too. Oh God. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've heard it before. Uh, the term. Well, it depends on what you. <sighs> yeah. Anyways, doesn't really matter. So there's that, uh, and then there's the actual like soundtrack. And one time, and it's the most bizarre music in this whole thing because it's this rowdy banjo music tract. I think we only hear it once when uh, Jack, so Kevin Bacon's character, Marcy, and Ned are driving down the highway. <laughs> and, like, just like maniacs yeah. in their old pickup truck. And it's just mm-hmm. this weird banjo music background tract. Super bizarre because it doesn't fit any of the other music in this film. But I assume the implication is that's playing on their car speaker. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how I've always read it. Yeah, same. And so, they, again, that's technically like in movie music. And then the actual score is only there to imply the killer. Diegetic music. Diegetic? Yep. Okay, cool. Thank you. I had um, to Google it. That's the thing when it's uh, in, like an instrument in the movie. Yeah, and like it's, or like it's being played on a radio in the movie, yeah. and so it's being heard. Diegetic. Yeah. Cool. Diegetic deal. music. You learn something new every day. Yeah. I mean, I already knew that, but like. I also knew that. I just could not for the life of me remember. Murder. Uh, anyways, so there's that diegetic stuff, and then the actual soundtrack is meant to imply the killer, mm-hmm. both like when we're watching their POV, but also like when they're implied to be there. Yeah. For instance, I think one of the most interesting uses uses of music is there's this character named Ralph. Ah, uh, yes, Ralph. Crazy old man Ralph. Crazy Ralph. And he's this uh, very much like a doom and gloom kind of guy. And, like, he has, like, such a bizarre introduction to the film. Because he, <laughs> he pops out of nowhere, and he's like, Yeah. You're going to Camp Blood. You're all going to die. <laughs> it's got a death curse on it. <laughs> he's, he's so fucking... Uh, this might be the first time in a movie that we've seen, like, the classic trope of crazy old, old. crazy old person telling you not to go somewhere. Yes. That he's so over the top and insane, and now, I love it. Well, we're talking about Ralph. Remember the tagline that was very specifically? Oh, my God. <laughs> they were warned. They are doomed. <laughs> yeah, that's a reference to Crazy Ralph Crazy right Ralph. there in the tagline, which makes it so much better. Oh, yeah. For once sure. You know. I like Ralph. He's fucking hilarious. Uh, he's, he's such a creepazoid. He's just such a creep. around I was going to say he sucks, but like yeah. drunk old man riding around on his bike. Anyways, like so one of the most interesting uses of some of the music is... The last time we see Ralph in the movie, he's like, you're all going to die. Get out of here. And then he drives away from the camp, Camp mm-hmm. Crystal Lake. And they're playing a little background score. Um, I think both to, A, imply that he's right. Because the only other times we've heard the music, it's been from the killer's POV, like when the mm-hmm. killer's implied there. Yeah. Uh, but also to set him up as like a red herring. Because, surprise, surprise, it's not old man Ralph. No, and that's part of the fun of like making the killer unknown uh, throughout this movie is... Because if you watch this when it came out, you have no goddamn idea who the killer is. I mean, yeah. And it could be any number of people. We all know. We, we all know, you know, in the modern day who it is, of course. But, like, it, this is the only movie, and you're seeing it for the first time, you're like, it could be Old Man Ralph. Yeah, and they, I think they do a good job of it, especially because, like, it doubles down on that whole music soundtrack. Because mm-hmm. it's a slightly different track than the killer track. So it's not like, huh, this is it, guys. It's like, here's Ralph. He's warning you. But here's some music. Yep. Why does he get music? Anyways, point being, I just wanted to say the the soundtrack in this is great. It's banging. Yeah. Moving on. I do have one big issue with this film. What? 
Bob doesn't have an issue with it because Bob's a heartless monster. Oh my um, god. You don't are. call me a heartless monster. You're a heartless monster. No, this is not me being a heartless monster. This is me going, damn, that sucks, but like horrible whatever. horrible person. They kill a snake in this film. They do. But like actually kill a snake. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, that's completely that's a completely fair I'm, thing to not like. I'm not a big fan of like animal cruelty. I mean, in defense of this film, uh they killed that snake immediately. Mm-hmm. They just chopped its head off. So it, Oh yeah. It well, it didn't die right away cuz they stay alive for a little bit, and then they have death rolls. And you've been ever been around a dead snake? I've, I've killed or at a least snake. Seen, yeah. So point being, they killed it really fast, which is better than torturing it. Yeah, for sure. But like, how do I put this? I'm never a fan of like killing animals in movies. No, I don't. I'm not either. But mostly because it's like, okay, it's one thing if you're watching a documentary and an animal dies. Well, yeah. Because that's just like a part of the events that are happening. Mm-hmm. But when you're killing an animal specifically for, like, entertainment purposes, mm-hmm. it's kind of shitty. And so I think that kind of makes that scene not great for me. Also because I just like snakes. I mean, fair enough. So that's cool, too. I guess where I'm coming from is I think it sucks that they killed a snake, and they shouldn't have done that. But also, like, if that was acceptable when they made the movie, I mean, it that was, was whatever. It was acceptable. It wasn't, like, great. Sure. Like, it was frowned upon. You were just still allowed to do it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, like... I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm just like, it was a part of what they were doing at the period, so they did it. Fair enough. And it I just, sucks that they did it. But they I did. remember watching this film for the first time and then seeing that scene and being like, oh. No, that's fair. That's completely fair. That was not great. Because I think that was, um, I think that might have been the first time I saw like a movie where they actually killed an animal. Oh, really? Like, I'd seen documentaries and all that stuff, but I think for oh, like yeah. an actual movie. Are there other horror movies where they do that shit? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Because like, Again, before there was rules against it, you could just do that. Ugh. And it's cheaper to kill a real animal than it is to, like... Make a fake prosthetic make animal. Make a fake prosthetic animal that looks good. Yeah. And also, like, there are certain animals that people don't really care about getting killed. Yeah. Like snakes probably being one of them. Snakes being one of them. Fish. Yeah. People really don't care about fish. But, like, if you killed a dog, probably people would care. Th- that I conversation we had. I 100% know people would care. Yeah, um, I would care. You know what? Great jumping off point yep. here. I knew we... I knew. Ah, mm-hmm. I, ta- I was telling Bob this because I, I wanted to talk about it in the intro, but I just watched Sharksploitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a documentary on Shudder, which, you know, guys, check out Shudder. It's great if you like horror films. It's awesome. Uh, but they have uh, a section that's just horror documentaries, which I love because I like documentaries, but I have trouble finding a documentary that I want to watch because it's a time investment mm-hmm. and I need to be interested in the concept. So horror documentaries are great because it's either a cool like subsection of the genre I'm learning about. Yeah. Like they have a documentary series on cursed horror films or it's on like a specific film franchise. But their most recent one, it came out like what? Last it, week? Two I was weeks about to say, it wasn't that long ago. Because I remember sending you like the thing about it coming out. Yeah. It came out really, really recently. But it's a it's a very specifically a movie about like shark horror films, uh, but more specifically like exploitation films that are about sharks. Where like instead of it being a movie where like there's a shark in it and it does shark things, mm-hmm. it's a movie where there's a egregiously depicted killer that just happens to be a shark. But anyways, cool documentary. At least I really appreciated the first two thirds of it because it's like all the stuff from before I was born. And all the horror history and like some smaller movies I hadn't heard about. Not to say the back half's bad; it's just stuff I already knew. But like in that earlier half, they talk a lot about the fact that 
some of those early films, they just kill actual sharks. Yeah. Because, hey, people didn't like sharks. But also, it was just kind of more accepted mm-hmm. as, like, a thing you could do on screen. And that's kind of whack, honestly. And also just, like, fuck sharks, because that's where a lot of people came from. Mm-hmm. Bizarre. Bizarre stuff. It's really weird. And so, like, anyways, getting back to it. Snakes are probably another thing where people were like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Sucks so that that was, like, a rat snake, which is, like... Fine. Yeah, they're you. They're not useless. Sorry, they're not like dangerous. No, they'll bite you and then you just get they're, rid of them. They're not poisonous. Venomous, no, whatever. Which I th- I think is a very funny scene because like all the kids are freaking out about the snake. Yeah, and none of them. They're all very clearly city kids mm-hmm. because a it's a tiny snake. Yeah, it's like, not big at all. I don't know, maybe a foot, two feet. I would say probably foot, probably a foot, very foot thin. and a half, maybe. Like that could. I'm pretty sure it's a rat snake, right? Yeah, it looked like, but a, it, it could not eat a rat. No. It could eat maybe a baby rat. So very, very, very tiny. And all these kids are freaking out. Yeah. Like to the point where they all run in and none of them can do anything. Yeah, they're all fucking shit in their pants. With that being said, I've described why I thought this scene was kind of bad. Yeah. Do you want me to actually make this scene bad for you? Oh, God. So besides like they killed a snake because I already think that's pretty bad. What makes it really bad is that that snake was someone's pet. And they didn't tell him what the that they fuck? were going to kill it. Uh, I, I, assumedly, he was like a snake handler guy. Oh, my like, God. Can we use your, uh, the snake in the movie. It's like, yeah, killed it. That's telling fucked him. up. Yep. That's why That's so much worse. Kind of rough like, for me. It sucked that they killed like a wild snake or something or a snake that they bought from a pet store. But like someone, someone raised that snake. Like that was someone's pet, man. Yeah, it's already bad, but that just makes it so that much worse. That makes it so much worse. What a bunch of fucking dickheads. Yeah. God bless. That's yeah. really shitty, dude. Yeah, it's not great. Ugh. <laughs> I, I let you defend it, and then I just ruined it for you. I, I thought mean, that'd be a funny way to do it. All right, moving on from snake killings. I think before we get into maybe like a heavy spoiler section to talk about like the kills and stuff like that, mm-hmm. we need to start and talk about like <laughs> the simple fact this film is definitely derivative as hell. Yeah. Let's be honest. Like, it's a slasher film. Made in the wake of Halloween, trying to hop onto that slasher craze. Yeah. That was just starting. Like, it wasn't big yet, but, you know, just kind of starting. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to try and be successful, if you're like hopping onto a craze like that, is to go, let me look at these films that are already out and just take things that they do and put them in my film. I mean, f- straight up. First thing off the back that you notice, POV killer shots. Yes, but I I like I have they're unique. No, yeah, yeah. I I'm not gonna say any of this is like bad. I'm just saying it's it's stuff that it's like I can see where this came from. Sure. Now that's completely fair. As with everything, it's this director, it's this writer, it's this team of cast members doing it. So it's gonna be different. I mean, right off the bat, you notice something different about the POV killer shots in this film mm-hmm. versus Halloween, but also Black Christmas. Also Black Christmas, yeah. Which is, uh, instead of heavy breathing, which is like the common thing they would use, they do this cool, like, uh, you can do the noise I can't. <laughs> yeah, they do that instead. And it's like, it's at first, I didn't know how I felt about it, but I think it's cool. It's pretty cool, right? It's pretty cool, yeah, I, I like it. it a lot. Because it's like, it's distinct. Yeah, and it's, it's like, oh, this is Friday the 13th. It's also very interestingly... The only, like, vocal tract in the whole score. Yeah. Which is really cool. Because it's, like, it's used to not only indicate, oh, the killer's here, but, like, oh, we're watching the killer do shit. Yeah, the killer's killing. Because, like, he, 
the music and the score, the main track is like his the killer's light motif, right? Yeah. But that's the oh, he's gonna mm-hmm. kill. And that's cool and fun. It's great. Um it's also pretty dramatic. Yeah. But POV shots, the the name, I think we talked about that already. Yeah, we covered the name. But it's it's a holiday horror movie. Yeah. And that's very clearly uh, a grab at stuff. Uh let me think. Other things. Spoiler here, but I'm okay saying this. It's a final girl movie. Yeah. So that's the, right there. There's a final girl circuit. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that on, uh, I think, Halloween, Bob said. Yeah, we talked about it on Halloween, in Halloween 2. That was one of those. And uh, some other films, too. I don't remember what it was, though. Horny kids getting killed. Horny kids getting killed. Speaking of like horny kids getting killed. you have sex in a movie, you, you die. There, this movie does do some things that uh, sort of subvert my expectations of a film like this a little bit. Because, like, uh, spoiler, this doesn't need to go in the heavy spoiler section. Because I don't think it's that heavy of a spoiler. Is it a kill? No. Okay, go ahead. Well, it, it has to do with a kill, but it's not specifically a kill, if that makes sense. Well, let's let's save it. Okay. Because we're about to do heavy spoilers. Oh, okay, that's okay. fine. Then you all save um, it. We're about to get there anyway. But yeah, I, I just wanted to mention that it's like kind of derivative in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, There's a lot of things where you can look at it and go, I could see where they pulled that from something else. Completely fair. But yeah, okay. On that note, I guess we're going to go to the heavy spoiler section. Sure. So like, on a, on a serious note, guys, if you haven't seen the movie go watch it before yeah. you listen to this part. Yeah, if you don't want any of the kill spoiled, how the movie ends spoiled, anything like that, like... Especially because it's so different yeah. than what you expect from the franchise. Mm-hmm. Just stylistically. Not that I've seen them. They didn't. Yeah, but they didn't know it was going to be a franchise, so it feels like its own contained movie. Yeah, it wraps itself up. And I, I, I don't think a lot of people even have, like, the background knowledge of that, so I think it's a good watch if you vaguely are aware of the franchise. So yeah, go watch it. Uh, we're about to do heavy spoilers. Hi everybody, this is Future Bob coming at you to let you know that if you do not want any major spoilers for this movie, like kills, the ending, anything like that, please skip to an hour, 35 minutes, and 8 seconds immediately. Once again, that's one hour, 35 minutes, and 8 seconds immediately. Alright, we're here in the spoiler section. Hope you guys are ready to hear some heavy spoilers or some fun stuff to talk about if you've already seen this film. Yeah. All right, Bob, what was the thing you were just about to talk about? Okay, so, like, we were talking about how you think this film is derivative of, and it is. I, I'll give you that. It is derivative of other slashers that came before it, but th- I think that's fine. Because I think what's really cool about this film is that it subverts some of the ideas that I came in with. Specifically, the classic slasher idea of people having sex get murdered. Yes. Because there's an awesome scene. Spoilers. This is the spoiler section, also, so I can I, I do want to say, though, like, the people... Having sex getting murdered is very much a thing that was invented in, like, Halloween, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Whereas, like, you're horny. Yeah, Linda and Bob got murked. Now, I will say, though, that, like, I think you're very specifically saying while they're having sex. Yeah. That didn't exist yet. Oh. Yeah, that trope didn't exist yet. Well, anyway. That wasn't for a couple more years. Well, this is is a cool thing that I noticed that was interesting. I just, like, I don't know. I feel like there was enough time passed between them having sex and being murdered. Yeah. That it didn't feel connected. It I, was, no, it felt connected. It was connected, but it was, like, looser. But what I'm, gonna, what I'm about to say is, like, so, you know, you're watching these two people have sex, and it's fine, it's whatever. Like, it goes on ex- for a little long, though. It goes on for a while. And you're expecting something bad to happen to both of them. During sex. During sex. And nothing bad happens. And then it does this really awesome slow pan up. And they're having sex on the bottom bunk of a bunk bed, and there's a dead body on top of the bunk bed. And it's such a good fucking reveal because it takes all that tension that you have from them having sex. and Kind of ramps it up. 
ramps it up because it's like, oh my god, there's a dead man up there and they don't know. And I, I will say it is pretty deserved because we see that character walk into the cabin and mm-hmm. then not come out. Yep. And we don't see them again. We don't see them get killed. We don't hear any noises. We just see them walk into the cabin uh-huh. after seeing a shape walk into it. Yep. So the whole time they're having sex, we know they're in this cabin and we know that character's in there. We just don't know where. But we don't know where. Maybe they're playing a joke. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're dead. I mean, it is a pretty jokey character who could be a dickhead. So, yeah, that's a cool reveal. And I think the thing you're referring to is, like, they stop having sex. Yeah. And one of them walks away. Uh Uh-huh. The girl walks away and leaves the guy in bed before he gets killed. Yeah, and that's also a really good kill. Yes. That's one of the coolest kills in this film. Yeah. It might be my favorite kill. Like, it is so good. Uh, Guns Against Spoilers. We're we're just going to talk about this. We're just going to talk about it. Uh, The killer, under the bed. Under the bed, the whole which time. makes so much sense because you see the killer go in, the other character follow them, get murdered, and then it's like, okay, well, where's the killer? Yeah. Has to be somewhere in this room. Assumedly, they walked in while they were hiding the body. Yeah. Making out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to name the two characters. It's Marcy and Jack. Yeah. Uh, Jack's Kevin Bacon. I assume they were making out so they weren't paying attention, and here's the killer standing next to this bunk bed having just thrown a body up there. It's like... Oh, shit. Hides <laughs> under the bed. Yeah. Which is very funny, but honestly. the cool part of this kill is you don't expect it because you've already had that tension released because you saw the dead body. I, I wouldn't say it's released. For me, it, it was. I was like, oh, it's we're good. We're safe. That was what made it so surprising. I guess. For me, it's kind of this moment of, like, they keep switching back between all these different characters because uh, Marcy is split off at this point, mm-hmm. so she's by herself. Kevin Bacon's by himself. Yep. And then there's three characters playing Strip Monopoly at the same time. Yeah. And so it's this back and forth of the characters playing Strip Monopoly and Kevin Bacon by themselves. And I think it's this fun moment of, okay, I know something bad's going to happen to Kevin Bacon, but how long are they going to make me watch Strip Monopoly? And it's kind of this back and forth of, is he going to die this time? Yeah. How about this time? Um, and I think that's cool. I think it, it kind of builds tension in a way. Or not builds, but sus- like contains it, suspends it. Keeps it going. Yeah. But what's cool about the kill is the actual execution because I did not expect it. It was really sick. I don't I think it's an arrow. Yeah. So the killer reaches around the bed really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, hand comes out of nowhere, grabs Kevin Bacon's forehead, and then we see- Grabs his, his mouth so he can't scream. No. Grabs his forehead. Is, is it his forehead? Yes. No. Grabs his- I think it's his forehead. And then shoves the arrow through Kevin Bacon's neck. Yeah, from under the mattress. Yeah. Super cool. It pops out. It's a. It's like a broadhead. Yeah. It's sharp, not like a practice arrow. And blood spurts out of the wound. So cool. And fun fact for why that kill's so cool is when Kevin Bacon dies, you see his eyes like open and it's, it's like kind of blinking weird. Yeah. And his mouth's hanging open and some blood flies into his mouth. That's how I know his mouth's not covered. Mm. And also, you wouldn't need to cover his mouth if you're stabbing him in the throat. Uh, okay. It's kind of hard to talk. There's Kevin Bacon ha- just has such a look of shock on his face. Yeah, and right? it's good. Do you know why he has a look of shock on his face? Why? So, the blood effects malfunctioned, and they sprayed way more blood than they were supposed to. Because, <laughs> like, when you first see the arrow go through, it just, like, kind of bubbles a little bit. Yeah. It's really subtle. It's kind of cool. And then it spurts into his face and mouth, <laughs> and Kevin Bacon just wasn't expecting it. That's awesome. So, he's actually, like, kind of shocked there. Uh, and you can really see it in his face. Which I I gotta say props to him for like keeping the scene going. Yeah. Cause you you I'm sure you'll buy this film and you can watch it again. 
there's this moment where he just he his eyes are wide open and then he does this full blink and then he just <laughs> has to go back into the scene. It's really great. Props to him for like not ruining the scene. Yeah, cuz it's really good. But it it looks really good cuz he extra sells it on accident. Mm-hmm. And I it, I think that's probably my favorite kill of the movie. Yeah, it's mine too because I want to say for Friday the 13th, which is really well known for its kills and how cool they can get, there's not really a lot of interesting kills in this film. No, there aren't. Um there's some interesting like bodies we get to see eventually. There's some good reveals during the final girl circuit, but that's about it. I, I want to say like half the kills happen off screen and aroundabouts. I think it's 3. 3 off the top of my noggin. Oh, what's 4? Yeah. Yeah, so about half the kids die off screen. Yeah. And you know, that's disappointing. I always hate kills that happen off screen. At least we do get to see them. Yeah, and right? I think the body reveals are good enough to make up for They're it. They're okay. Uh one of them is not great. Well, you don't like that one. I think that one's fine. We'll talk about that in a second. But most of the kills happen off screen, and that's kind of disappointing. I get it. It's for, like, technical reasons. It's more mm-hmm. expensive to show a kill. It's harder. Perfectly fine with that. It's just kind of disappointing. Uh, but out of the kills we do get to see, I think there's, like, what, four? Yeah. That's literally half. Two of them are just throat slashes. Yeah. And, you know, throat slashes, and this film look good. They do look good. It's Tom Savini. It's he does a good Tom job Savini, with, like, yeah throat prosthetics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, the Kevin Bacon kills the throat prosthetic. They all look good, mm-hmm. but they're just like generic, generic and disappointing just because and they're not fair. creative. Yeah. And that's its own kind of disappointing thing. And then, you know, there's really only two kills that I'm like, wow, that's super interesting. The Kevin Bacon one. Yeah. Which I, I think is legitimately probably one of the most memorable kills in the franchise in part because it's Kevin Bacon. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> That's why people remember him in this movie. Gets a cool kill. But the other one is someone gets an axe to the face. See, I wasn't even thinking of that one. Which one were you thinking of? One that we haven't talked about. That we, I shouldn't talk about yet. Because we haven't revealed anything about oh, that yeah, yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one that someone I'm Someone like, gets an axe damn. to the face. And I don't know. That's pretty pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not bad because like, the reveal is like that the, you get to see the axe halfway out of her face. Yeah. And that's what's cool about that kill. The only disappointing part of that kill is you don't see the axe go in. Yep, that's it, because it cuts away. Like, you see it coming down, it cuts, and then you get in your well, face. Well, I don't even think you see it com- coming down. Do you? Yeah, like the shadow. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I think you see it at the peak, mm-hmm. and then you see it in her face. And in her face, it looks pretty decent. It looks pretty cool, yeah. It just looks really static. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, it's a cool death, but not a cool kill. Yeah, I that's think fair. that's the way I'd describe it. That's how I feel about the w- another one, too. Yeah. And then moving on, I think, to a good thing to talk about is the fact that we find the bodies. Yep. So there's a final girl circuit uh, where the final girl is, you know, doing the final girl stuff, running around, mm-hmm. freaking out, uh, and discovering bodies over and over and over again. And I think she only discovers, like, what, two? Uh, no, three. Three. Because um, she so. finds her friend first hanging on a door. And that's the good one that I like. That's the good one. Dude's got, like, an arrow in his eye. He's got multiple arrows sticking out of him. Yeah. He's, like, hung up on a door. It's really cool. Um, because, like, she walks up to the building, is looking for him. The door's open. The door's open, and she closes it, and he's on the other side. I don't even think she closes it. I think the wind closes it or something. Yeah, it gets pushed open, she gets body revealed. It's really nice. It's a cool reveal. Uh, the second one is this girl gets thrown through a window. Yeah. But that's, like, the most disappointing one in the whole film. Because she kind of looks cool. She's tied up. And she's got her some blood on her face. 
Like, she looks like someone tied her up and beat the shit out of her. Yeah. However, it is disappointing because I look at her and I'm like, you shouldn't be dead. There's not enough damage there. That is fair. But also, I forgive it because it jump scares hard. Because she gets thrown through a fucking window when you least expect it. It does jump scare. And maybe I'm kind of like not getting that because I've seen this film. So I was expecting it. Sure, that's fair. I will say she comes through the window I think a little too slow for that to be a very effective jump scare. It's mostly the glass shattering. The noise is what really got me. Yeah, and then she kind of just sags through the window. But also that noise is evocative of the opening credits. Yeah. Which I think is cool. I don't know. I just don't find it super, like, jump scary. That's fair. I think it's too slow. And then I just think her, her kill's very disappointing, especially for Savini. Mm-hmm. It's just, it it doesn't look good. And normally I would be a little less hypercritical, but when a character dies off screen and we find their bodies afterwards, I expect for it to be shocking mm-hmm. because, at least in my mind, the only reason you should kill a character off screen is that that kill was too hard to film. And that means, oh, we get to see something really cool mm-hmm. now. Um, and hers is just super lame. It's and, underwhelming. And it doesn't look like she's even dead. It's also, like, extra bad because, like, she died on the archery range. Yeah. There's no arrows. No. I expected her to be found Especially full of arrows. Especially because, like, how her character is introduced is Dickhead Ned shoots an arrow near her. It was implied earlier in the film that's how she died. We get to hear her scream when the lights pop on at the archery range. But apparently she got tied up and beat. Yep. Doesn't make sense. Don't like it. And then the last one, we get to see a guy uh, swing down with a knife in his chest. Yeah, not bad. That's a good jump scare for, like, finding a dead body. It's not bad. Because you are not expecting it. Because he's, like, straight up in a tree. Yeah, it's very akin to uh, the uh, closet open in Halloween when Loisher opens the closet and the body flops down. Which, (laughs) derivative talk right there. Yeah. Good, but I don't know how he got up there. You just said Loisher, by the way. That wasn't Loisher in the closet. Well, she op- Lori Strode opened the closet oh. and revealed the body. Yeah, That's I thought you I said. said Lori Strode swung out of the closet dead. No. I was like, nah, she's still alive. <laughs> no, she's, well, not in not as of Halloween 5. She don't died in a car don't crash. Don't spoil Halloween 5. Also, Halloween 4. Well, she's in, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's the same timeline. I know. I'm just saying. You already spoiled it, but you spoiled it incorrectly. I wasn't wrong. You, you misquoted. You know what you did. She's dead before Halloween 4 because she didn't want to come back for that film. Which is sad. I mean, understandable. <laughs> she was a big actress at that point. I guess. All right. I guess before we move on to, like, talking about the ending and stuff, what I do want to note about this Final Girl circuit is that it's super awkward. Yeah. Because, like, it gets off to such a slow start. So, for me, I count, like, the Final Girl circuit starting when we know the last person died. That isn't, like, or at least, no. It's implied that the last person is dead mm-hmm. that isn't the final girl. Sure. And the second that implication happens, we cut back to the final girl. Mm-hmm. And she was sleeping, so now she's awake. Um, and it's been an indeterminate amount of time since that guy died. And I, I'm pretty. it's implied in the film that it might have been immediate, but yeah. I think it's probably like been a while. It, it had to have at least been a minute. Because let me just say that guy was uh, pegged up. <laughs> yeah, he, they would have taken a while to hang somebody up like that. Yeah. But it just, like, starts so slowly. Because, yeah. first of all, like, I get coming to a slow start because, like, usually the final girl doesn't have any indications that anything's, like, super wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this case, the final girl's very on edge. And she was probably like, ah, oh, that guy's been missing for a while. I should probably go look for him. But instead of, like, going to look for him, she starts making coffee. Yeah. And we literally get to see her almost make a full cup of coffee. 
It's yeah. just so egregiously long. And then she goes to look for him. And so you're like, ah, oh, it's going to start. She finds his body. Super cool moment. She starts running, freaking out. You know, we're like, oh, final girl circuit's here. And then she runs back into a house and starts barricading it. Yep. Which, okay, that makes sense. I understand how a character acts like that. But it just goes on for too long. Yeah. Like, she barricades the house and then has enough time to calm down mm-hmm. before the next trigger for the final girl circuit happens. And then there's another pause for, like, I don't know, five, five, ten minutes? It's a while. It's a big pause. Yeah. And then the final girl circuit resumes for the last time. Yep. It's just a weird way of doing it. I think it would have been smoother to have all the bodies come out at once mm-hmm. uh, and more, like, tonally thematic and just, like, better with tension and scares and everything. Because having that, like, reveal of a body, uh, a horrifying moment back to back to back, mm-hmm. I think would have handled better. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get to this end? No, man. Okay. I'm ready to talk about the ending. So, probably the biggest spoiler here. So, I hope you've seen the movie at this point, guys. The most interesting thing about this film is that the killer isn't Jason. Yep. And, Bob, you didn't know that. No. I was surprised you didn't figure it out. But I, I tried my best to sell it the whole movie. No, and I like I was, you know, about halfway through the movie, I kind of caught on. I was like, why the fuck are we not seeing this man? And I was like, that's weird that they're not showing it. They're, tr- but then like I, you kind of, we both kind of explained it away by going, oh yeah, it's like I know. I was like, gotta sell it hard so Bob gets tricked. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those things that a doesn't really line up for the modern modern audience. But back in the day, horror movies tended to be a lot more implicit with killers in like original features yeah in ways that they very much aren't nowadays Mm -hmm. we've seen some more modern horror movies on this podcast but even like the ones that are the first in the series kind of show the killer very yeah because that's kind of like the point because that's kind of the point but back in the day they did that a lot less Mm -hmm. i'm sure you've also noticed that oh yeah for sure and so like not showing the killer for the whole movie does make sense in this film. It it matches the time period. Yeah, and what sucks is like it does feel a little off nowadays, and especially knowing like oh this is a Jason movie and not getting to see Jason. Yeah, but wh- I mean what really sucked was like I kind of basically the person who was the killer appears on screen and I went oh they're the killer. I instantly knew. Yes, but I, and I think that's because first of all you can put it together through context clues. Oh yeah, you're supposed to know through context clues. Yeah. But also, I was like, "Oh, this is." I knew exactly who it was as soon as I saw them. I was like, "Oh, yeah. this is this is who this it's, is." Um, okay, it's Pamela Voorhees. Yep, Jason's mom. And um, for anyone who wants to know, Pamela Voorhees is played by uh, the great Betsy Palmer. Of uh, she played Lieutenant Ann Garrard in Mister Roberts. Save that till now. <laughs> but yeah, she does a great job. And yeah, she's really um, good. She had some stage training, and uh, very famously, there's a scene in this film. Where she slaps the shit out of the final she girl. She slaps Alice. the fuck out of her like five or Hits six her. times. And I'm not sure if this is the case in the shots in the movie or if it was a practice take. I think it's a practice take. But when they did it, <laughs> Betsy Palmer actually bitch slaps Ooh. Alice. I think her name's Adrian King. I might be wrong. Yes, it is. Good job, Bob. You're so much better with names. Yep. Yeah, actually bitch slapped <laughs> Adrian King, and then Adrian King fell on the floor and was like, crying. They're like, what the fuck did you do? And Sue was like, I slapped her. Yeah, I hit her. <laughs> they were like, why? And she was like, 
Well, yeah, but when you're in theater, you just hit so hard. Yeah. <laughs> they had to be like, yeah, but this is a movie. <laughs> we pull our punches. <laughs> Very funny bit. Um, But she does great. And yeah, it's this cool reveal. Yeah. When we see her for the first time. Because, like, we see how it happens is a body's just been thrown through the window. Yep. And the place where Alice is barricaded in. And she looks out and she sees lights come on. Like headlights. Yeah. And so she looks out and a Jeep pulls up. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean... Obviously, like, oh, it must be the killer. Except the Jeep is the same car that the camp's owner uses. Yep. And he left at the beginning of the movie. And so she assumes he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, because at this point, she doesn't know he's dead. Mm-hmm. And she goes out to greet him. And an old woman gets out of the car. Then an old woman gets out of the car. She's not that old. She's, she's like not that old. But an older 40s, woman. 50s. Yeah. yeah. Older than everyone else uh, at this camp. Oh, yeah. And she's already a little off. Mm-hmm. Because, hey, l- let me say this. We know the killer drives this exact Jeep as well. Yes. And that is how you put it together with the context. We know that Steve, the camp owner, is dead. Yeah. So it's of course right. But she steps out and she's a little, little off, a little funky. (laughs) Too much smiles for an old lady pulling up to this weird camp in the middle of the night for (laughs) no reason. Yeah, it's like probably three or four in the morning. And it's this slow reveal that, oh, this is uh, Pamela Voorhees. Uh, And she gives this cool monologue where she's like, did you know? A kid died here back in the day before the camp closed, which the most unhinged thing to say, because at this point she's acting like someone who's just pulled up here. Yeah. And she has just found these bodies Mm -hmm. and she goes, oh, no, it's almost as bad as those kids that died in 58. Yep. (laughs) Then starts talking about Jason. Super unhinged. Love it. Uh, In fact, she does this whole thing where she's like, kill him, mommy, kill him. (laughs) That shit is fucking freaky. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Pamela Voorhees is the killer. I think Bob kind of knew that there's some implication that Pamela is weird. Yeah. That you got for, from a cultural zeitgeist. But honestly, I, I think the, the twist that like Pamela Voorhees is the killer in the first movie almost works better for a modern audience. Yeah, it does. Than it did back in the day. Mm-hmm. Because you expect Jason the You're whole time. so tricked in the modern day to expect Jason. I mean, you're so tricked that like you can go the whole film and going, why are they showing Jason? This is so weird. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. But you wouldn't even think that it's Pamela if no. you didn't know that Pamela was a character in this series. You wouldn't. And, I mean, I think for a lot of modern audiences, they don't know if they've only seen really recent ones. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of a cool thing where, like, the twist works, I'd say, better today. Yeah. It's definitely, like, surprising that it's Pamela Voorhees uh, when you watch this back in 1980 because there's no way to know it's Pamela Voorhees. No, none at all. <laughs> um. They reference a kid dies in 57, maybe yep. once before this, but the name of that kid isn't given. Nope. There's no implication that his mom used to work at the camp. Nope. Or that she'd be mad that the kids were having sex when Jason died. Nope. It's a very, like, out-of-nowhere killer reveal, and mm-hmm. so I think it's a bad murder mystery. That's fair. And I think it only <laughs> works as a reveal nowadays because of the whole Jason implication. So that's kind of, sick, like, sucky for a movie that's, yeah. Very much a murder mystery of who done it. They could have thrown in more hints. They needed to, they needed any hints. They just needed to reference like, oh, a kid drowned in 57. His mom worked there. Yeah. That that's all they would have needed because mm-hmm. oh, it's so weird that kids get murdered the year after a kid dies. If you had the mom work there, there would have at least been some implication. Yeah. But they don't have any hints besides mentioning once a kid drowned there. But yeah, I however much I don't think that was a well-deserved reveal. Betsy Palmer really saves the end of this She's movie. She's fucking freaky, dude. It's so good. She does such a good job. 
and I, I don't think this ending would have landed as well as it did if she wasn't in the film. I, hell, I, I don't think the film would have been as good as it was if she wasn't in the film. That's like, totally fair. The last five, ten minutes of this film when she's on screen are probably the best parts of the film. Yeah. By far. I also want to say, remember that little line? The, uh, yeah? So, it's inspired by the words, kill, 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 mom, mom, mom. That makes sense. the idea is it would be, like, little Jason Mm -hmm. whispering to her. That's fucking Because she's kind of unhinged, and she keeps talking to her dead kid. Yeah, she's kind of nuts. And the dead kid's telling her to, like, kill these people. Yeah, because he wants revenge. I also don't know if you got that, like, she was kind of sometimes thinking that, like, Alice was literally yeah. the people who mm-hmm. let him drown. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, with Killer Reveals, I think it's important to note that the end of the film, Betsy Palmer, poor, poor Pamela, dies. Horrifically. And it's one of my favorite kills in the movie. Oh, yeah. It's uh, awesome. The setup for it isn't good. No. Because it's, it's super slow motion. It doesn't need to be slow motion. No. But we get to see Pamela Voorhees get her head lopped off by a machete. Yeah. Cementing a machete as, like, a His, cool thing in this yep, franchise. Exactly. And she uses it, too. That's, I mean, that's how uh, Alice gets a hold of it. Yep. Uh, Pamela was using it. Yeah, and she dropped it, and Alice picked it up and cuts her head um, off. But and she it's gets, a good fucking reveal. Like, good kill. She gets her head chopped off. It flies away. And then we get to see this slow motion thing where, like, blood splurts out of her neck, and she just brings her hands up. Yeah, man. That's the coolest part about that kill is that her hands come up after she's dead and start, like, grasping for the air. And it's just such a, like... I don't know, guttural, like, instinctive reaction or something. Yeah. It's so good. Like, I love it. Yeah, so that's basically kind of the end of the killings. And uh, we get to see Alice, after she's murdered this woman, hop in a, a canoe and just push off into the middle of the lake with no paddle. Yep. Which, not good decision. How are you going to no. get back? And assumedly pass out. And you thought the film was just going to end on a fade to black. Yeah, I was pissed. <laughs> I just heard you getting really mad. How are you feeling the fact that, like, the whole movie didn't have Jason in it? I mean, I think they saw one brief, like, flashback scene from Pamela where you get to see a kid drowning. Yeah. He looks a little funky. It was fine. He's bald. Yeah, it was fine. Like, I liked it. It was completely fine. Honestly. Yeah. yeah because, it, like, I because at that point I had come to the realization that, like, oh, yeah, like, Jason just, it didn't exist yet. Like, we weren't there, you know? Yeah. And I was okay with that. And I'm still okay with that. I like this movie. But it was a weird thing for you, right? Yeah, it was definitely weird coming from, like, a perspective of every other Friday the 13th film. Jason should be in every film. Yeah, exactly, but I was just like, okay. Yeah, so, film ends with, like, Alice floating in the water, we see some cops pull up. Not yeah. sure how they got there. I mean, they've been there twice already, in yeah. the span of, like, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But they pull up with their lights on, like, there's an emergency, but I know for a fact no one contacted them. Yeah. The only implication is they might have called, and the mm-hmm. phone lines were down, so, so they, they came, came to check, check it out. Because one of the I think the chief of police dropped off Steve near the camp last night. Yeah. So they might have been checking to see if he got there okay. Yeah, and he also, um, like, he had told them that in the morning, uh, Steve's... Have, oh, one of them taken back to his Jeep, because it yeah. broke down in the middle of the road. And he probably noticed the Jeep still there and was like, oh, shit, is Steve okay? Yeah. And he came to check or, it out. Oh, shit, Steve, move your fucking car. It's in the middle of the road. That, too. Because it's like a small town with, like, one road. So it's kind of in the way. But, yeah, then the, the scene closes there uh, with Alice just floating on the lake napping. And then all of a sudden, young boy Lake Jason pops out of the water and grabs her. And fucking flips the boat. Bob screamed like a baby. Scared the fuck out of me, bro. But it was all a dream. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Alice wakes up in the hospital like a maniac going, is everyone dead? 
What about the boy in the lake <laughs> that drowned 22 years ago? I, I feel the implication, and just hear me out, is that that happened. No. But none of the cops saw it. And they, like, saw the boat flip and her going to the lake and pulled her out. No. <laughs> it 100% didn't happen. Well, then how the hell do we get the next one? I'll explain that in a second. The implication there is that, A, it's a nightmare, right? Sure. Basically, Pamela Voorhees was screaming about Jason drowning in the lake to her during probably the, the most traumatic experience of Alice's life ever. Yeah, that's fair. And Alice, you know, exhausted and shocked, pushes herself into the middle of the lake on the boat and falls asleep. And while asleep from, like, shock, she has what is essentially a night terror of Jason coming out of the water because Jason's linked to her fear through Pamela, and all she knows about him is he drowned there. And I think, this is my personal interpretation, but I think the reason that Jason A. looks like not a normal child I, I, I We saw him briefly, but could you tell he was like, mm-hmm. he's bald, his head's a little bit deformed. Yeah. And I think the reason he looks like that is not because that's necessarily how Jason really looked, but because in Alice's imagination, all she ha- knows about Jason is it's the kid of Pamela, a crazy monster. And so, of course, her kid must be messed up like her. Mm. And I think that's her, her brain interpreting, interpreting like those facts subconsciously. Yeah, that makes sense. And then also when he pops out, like he's covered in like sticks, moss, and mud, like he's been sitting in the lake, like a lake zombie. Mm-hmm. And when she wakes up and she's like acting all crazy, and she's like, "What about the boy?" They're like, "There is no kid. No one saw him. We just pulled you out of the lake." Which I assume is not we pulled you out of the water because she would have drowned. I think it's more of we just like got your boat out of the water. Yeah, because again she passed out. But she finishes the line by being like, "He must still be out there." Mm-hmm. And my read on that scene is, A, she wakes up in shock from a night terror. And so she's not, like, all the way there. You know, sometimes when you wake up and you have a very intense dream and you're kind of, like, confused. And it's sometimes hard to be, like, where am I? That's kind of fair. stuff going on. I think that's what happened at first. However, the he's still out there line as they, like, fade her face into the lake and they focus on it. For me is meant to harken back to the idea of like the death curse mm. over the like the camp that makes sense no i know it now i, now I get like what you're saying the spirit of jason like his death is what haunts this camp and that's why terrible things keep happening that's why terrible things keep happening his death caused his mom to go insane and caused her to kill everyone and this line of he's still out there is saying even though pamela's dead bad things will keep happening there's still yeah bad things will keep happening and I think that fade over Alice's face when we go show the lake is maybe to imply that she'll be the next Pamela. Mm. Because now she has this whole obsession with the boy. Yeah. You know, she thinks he's alive, you know? Interesting. That's my read on the film. And, well, I can't be like, that's how it was intended. Uh, I can tell you that, like, when this film was written, Jason was dead. He died in 1957. Yeah. He, he was a dead character. He didn't matter. He had two lines. And he was basically shown twice, one without mud and stuff on him, and then one with mud. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was it. As everyone knows, Jason comes back. And if you're wondering what the setup is for how Jason comes back in the second one, he just does. He's just alive now. (laughs) He's alive and a grown man. (laughs) Even though he died when he was like 10. No, he's, he's alive now. He's a grown man. And he's pissed. And he somehow survived... All this time without seeing his mother because for the first film to happen, 
Pamela has to think Jason's dead. Yeah. And so, she assumedly had a funeral. So not and only buried his body. Did he somehow survive and age up to Jason age, which is indeterminate, let's be honest. Just big hulking and able to murder people. But also this kid who must have loved his mother. Yeah. Decided to never see his mother again and assumedly live in the woods or something. <laughs> oh, man, that's some Michael-level shenanigans right there. And it just it's probably one of the biggest jumps in this whole franchise that you have to get over is the fact that the, the fact that Jason exists makes no sense. Like, as that's we upsetting. know him. It doesn't make any sense. That's, like, really upsetting. And you can find it. I've seen it. There's a couple clips where Tom Savini's really mad about it. <laughs> I'd be really mad like, about it. Th- for, from Tom Savini's perspective, his Jason's the little boy Jason. Yeah. That's what he helped make. Yeah. Who Completely the fuck is there. this big guy? <laughs> That's a dead kid. <laughs> Why is he a grown-ass man? They don't, like, explain it at all? No. It just happens. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. That's upsetting. And I, I, I think that's... Like, even just, like, some bullshit line, like, ah, oh, yes, the death of his mother resurrected him. He's a... Or, like, maybe even Hatchet-style, he's a ghost. But th- like, no. he's, he's just a he's guy, just, man. He's quite literally a man. Oh, my God. He's not a ghost or anything in the second one. He's just a dude. Jesus uh, Christ. And so, like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'm just prepping you for that because we're just going to start the second movie. And it's going to be like, ah, well, Jason's in this one. That makes me really upset. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Uh, I think it happened because, A, if you don't think through the line like I did with, like, my intent. Yeah. You could totally read that as, oh, maybe Jason is still alive. Now, again, that wouldn't make sense of how he's a, a grown man in the next film. No. But, like, her line of, he's still out there. Yeah. Maybe that's foreshadowing the fact he survived. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't make sense, but potentially there's some foreshadowing. However, I think the real reason they focus on uh, Jason in the second film, and then, of course, from here on out, is because Pamela's dead. Yeah. <laughs> how do we get someone who wants to be a killer? Well, we mentioned this one character related to her. And he might be dead, but he's the only character we know that is related to the crazy lady. Mm-hmm. So we should use him. And also, we used him at the end of the film, and that's what everyone remembers. Yeah, I mean, everyone it's, a, it's a good Jason, jump scare, man. So let's bring him back. So I just wanted to mention that. Uh, also, I'm going to tell you the name of the Jason actor. Oh. Because it's the first Jason actor ever. Yeah, that's true. Uh, even though it's a, a child actor. I think mm-hmm. it's that's so interesting. That, like, the first Jason actor was a kid at the time. Yeah. And not, like, a stuntman. <laughs> just no, a kid. just some kid. His name's Ari Lehman, and he really hasn't been in a lot of, like, big things besides this one. Hmm. Lots of smaller things. Lots of, like, I played Jason as a kid. Hmm. Let me do this. Funniest film name, though. He played Phil the Security Guard in Leaf Blower Massacre 2. Well, we have to watch it. (laughs) We have to watch it. (laughs) When do you think that film was made? Oh, well, I would assume sometime in the 80s. Leaf Blower Massacre? Yeah, well, that makes sense. Where he played a security guard? Yeah, but he's too young. Mm -hmm. 2015. 2017. What the fuck? <laughs> well, now we have to watch it. sounds it. like the most 80s title ever. It does. It absolutely does. All right. I guess we're going to leave the spoiler section. Yeah, here. we should probably go back to the normal audience and talk okay. about the rest of this movie. We're back. Hello. For anyone who's interested, I just told everyone who uh, the Jason actor was in the spoiler section. Oh, yeah. Just because, like, I don't know. Maybe that's a spoiler for you. I mean, yeah, I think it's a spoiler. Because, like, I didn't. You know, it was surprising. Yeah. Um, it could have been Kane Hodder. I that would be very funny. That'd be really weird since you know he plays ten. It's true. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it's a big gap between the ten. There's and the a first huge line. gap. 
and you know he didn't do all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I wish he had. That would make sense, though. Yeah, but I like him. <laughs> I know you like Kane Hodder. He's one of my favorite people. He's <laughs> the big dude. <laughs> He's just so cool. All right. I guess th- that's uh, that's all we have to talk about. I yeah, guess I we got to go done. to recommendation. We're not done, but we'll do this part. Yeah, go. Look, if you are a fan of slashers and you have not seen this one, what are you doing? This is, like, really, really iconic in a lot of ways for a lot of people. Influential. Influential. Probably. And, like, it has a lot of the really classic slasher tropes, uh, th- but especially <laughs> the classic ones that come from the earlier slashers. Like, if you're a fan of Halloween, big recommend. It's very not – I don't want to – they're very similar. Yeah. But different in a lot of ways, too. But that's cool, and I, I think that's good points. Uh, if you're a fan of Tom Savini, it's he does some good work. He's a good. He's good. Like he's get, so good. You don't get to see as much of him as you'd want. No, but what you do get to see is also just like of his level. You know what I mean? It's good. I like it. Except for maybe one thing. Okay. Well, you like to bitch about one thing because it's not, especially for him. Sure. It's that's completely fair. That's, I think those are my only okay. ones, man. Okay. For me, if you want to see kind of a classic slasher movie, I mean, this is straight up that. I mean, it's so early in like the zeitgeist of slashers that like the tropes that are really associated with that genre are just starting to come to fruition. So they're still a little bit clunky. (laughs) Mm, That's fair. Additionally, like it's super influential. I mean, it's the first uh, Friday the 13th movie, a film that basically shaped the horror (laughs) industry for like 20 years. Yeah. Until everyone got tired of slashers. And so if like, if you haven't seen this one and you're a fan of slashers or like you're a fan of Friday the 13th, Go watch it. That's kind of weird that you haven't seen the original one. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be kind of like what you're used to if you're used to like Jason X. Late stage Friday the 13th movies or like late stage slasher movies uh, like Scream and stuff. But go watch it because like it's important. And then last but not least, if you kind of want to watch like a slower whodunit horror film, go watch this one. I mean, like it's not a surprise who the killer is. No, it's no secret. But the way this the film is set, it's like a... It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Uh, it's like a there's someone lurking in the shadows. Who could it be? Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. And, uh, like, if that sounds like your thing, go check it out. It's very reminiscent. It is my thing. Of, again, of, like, Halloween, but I'd say more closely of, like, Black Christmas. Black Christmas or... Where it's like, there's someone here. April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day, yeah. Uh, what was the one that we watched really recently? Uh, Sleepaway Camp. That was the other one. Um, so if that sounds good, check it out. All right, rate it, Bob. I know you're gonna have a hard time here. I am. I I really am because look. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I'm like I just said. I'm a fan of like these slow whodunit slasher films. They're like probably some of my favorite films we've watched on the podcast. Like I like Sleepaway Camp a shit ton. I like April Fool's Day. I like. What was the one you named right before that? Black Christmas. I like all I like all of those films. It's a genre of film that I enjoy a crap ton. I'd say it's a suspenseful whodunit slasher. Yeah. The only one that we watched that I didn't like was like Terror Train, but that's just not a good movie. <sighs> <laughs> I bet you haven't thought about that one in a minute. I like the lizard. I like the lizard too. <laughs> um uh, and, also and shovels. The shovels. <laughs> Must have got them both. <laughs> I also like the conductor and his magic tricks. Yeah. There's a lot of things I like about that movie. It's just not good. Yeah, that's the problem. I do very much enjoy the um the definitely definitely gay, gay character. Yeah. Mhm. <laughs> it's very funny. Movie is not great, but it has some good moments. But like I just said, I'm a fan of that style of film. 
and I like them a lot. But this movie's slow as dicks, and it doesn't have... It has some good kills, but it also has some pretty okay kills. You know what I mean? Like, they're not they're not over-the-top like I'd want from a slasher, yeah. but they're not like... Because the reason... Going back to Halloween, the reason the kills in that are so good to me is because Michael is such a brutal murderer. Yeah. And it, it fits the tone of the film. This feels campy and goofy, so I want, like, over-the-top kills. But instead, they're, like, super simple and yes. subtle. Like, they're realistic. They're realistic in a way Michaels aren't. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I can see how that's kind of disappointing. Especially, like, looking at it from, like, today's standards. Exactly. But, also, I like the end of this film a lot, which we talked about in the spoiler section. It really helps bring a lot of stuff into perspective and makes a lot of stuff really cool. Four and a half. Four and a half. Wow. I like this movie. I liked it a lot okay. more than I expected. All right. Me and Bob are going to have very different answers here. Oh, really? Yeah. I kind of expected this one. Look, I, I like this film. I do. But I will say it's, in some ways, one of the stronger entries in the Friday the 13th franchise. Mm-hmm. And also one of the weakest. I mean, completely fair. Primarily because, like, it's just so slow. It's just so slow. It's, it's a slog. But, I like I just said, I I think the ending and the way everything gets wrapped up makes up for a lot of that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like... like it's all worth it. How it, it works out makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, being a slow, kind of, like, whodunit stuff, like, slasher suspense film, it makes sense for the time period. It makes sense for the, the fact that this is the first Friday the 13th movie. It all lines up. But there's just too much downtime of just nothing happening. And the characters honestly aren't entertaining enough to carry it through. Like, we've seen Sleepaway Camp before. Yeah. There's a lot of downtime on that film. Yeah. But it's super, super entertaining. Oh, yeah. We straight up watched, like, a whole baseball game. And it's (laughs) the funniest thing ever. It's pretty great. This film doesn't have that. Well, like, the strip monopoly comes close. The strip monopoly, yes, but that is... The rest of it, no. Maybe five minutes total split up. And it's also in the section of the film where kills are starting to happen. Mm -hmm. The first, probably, hour is basically dry as far as kills go. And it's just characters behaving as teenagers. Not teenagers, like young adults. Mm -hmm. But not like very funny, entertaining young adults. Just like normal people. And so it's it's a slog. I mean, I think until you got to the first really big kill, you were kind of, ugh. I was, I was. But like I said, I think it all pays off. I also think some of the kills aren't. Great. I mean, we we they're not bad. They look really good. No, they're not bad at all. We get to see them, but the fact that we don't get to see like half the kills is disappointing. And also, like the ones we do see, they're not as creative as I want mm-hmm. for how little they are. Because like we spent an hour trying to build up to getting to see some kills. I want to see something horrific. Yep. But I, I I just didn't feel like it was horrific enough. We got some blips, but I just wanted more gore. I mean, completely film. fair. Like, for how slow it is, it needs some high points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kills just weren't really doing it for me. However, and I'm not going to talk about it here because we talked about it in the spoiler section, I-, I do think the last, like, 15, 20 minutes of this film really kick it in the high gear. Really, a plus. Really sell it. And I, I think that's that's great. Mm-hmm. I-, I think it's probably the best part of the film, especially, like, the very end after we get down to the final go. That's probably the best parts of the film. All the people really sell it, you know? Yeah. Killer reveals there. It's cool. <laughs> Even if we know who it is. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there's some really, really, really good parts of this movie. 
and then some parts of the film are just like not great. Completely fair. You know? And so I'm left at like an impasse here. What rating I want to give it. Sure. I'm really curious what you're going to give it, to be honest. Because I think I know where you're stuck, but I know what I think you're going to give it. What do you think I'm going to give it? Well, my implication here is you're stuck somewhere between a three and a half and a four, and you can't decide. I think it deserves a four, but if you give it a three and a half, I understand. Mm. So, um, I'm going to give it a three? <laughs> no. That's, Damn. That's me being nice. I was between a two and a half and a three. Really? So I just want you want everyone to know right now, I'm, I'm being nice here. And it was, it's a hard decision for me. Because, like, look, I for me, a three is kind of like meets expectations, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, I th- I think as this podcast has gone on, we've both been nicer with our ratings. I don't know about nicer. A little bit. I don't know. I've been pretty brutal lately. But we've also been watching some <laughs> we've been shitty brutal movies. On films, but I think we've been being nicer to them than we were. That's fair. Anyways, point being is, I, I think I'm going to give it a three here instead of a two and a half. But it, it really is a close call because, like, look, the expectations for this film going in, both for me, but I also think for the audience who would have seen this in 1980, was that, like, this is going to be a, a a slasher movie at a cabin. There's going to be horny teens, and they're going to get murderized, right? And technically, it does do that. It happens. It technically does that. However, my expectation for that would be that there is going to be a good amount of kills. They're going to be bloody, and they're going to be, like, throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. And so for the film to be mostly not that and also not super entertaining is kind of a disappointing fact. I, I think it really detracts from the film in a way that makes it hard to watch. Fair. Uh, especially from, like, a modern perspective of, like... Because back in the day, I could totally get seeing that from, like, trailers and stuff. But then going to see this movie and being like, oh, you know what? That was fine. I got what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But from a modern perspective, you watch this film, you're like, where's where's the kills? And then they blow their load right at the end. But it's just in one section, so it just feels... I don't know, kind of disappointing. Like, there's not enough to balance out everything else. No, that's fair. Point being, it's like, I feel like it almost meets expectations, but there's too many detracting points and issues um, for it to fully get to a three. However, however, this film does a few things super, super well. Like, I've talked about, like, the last 20, 30 minutes that I think they're super good. If the whole film had been that, I think it would have been amazing, but it's not. However, for me, that brings it up, let alone anything else. Like, we've talked about the music. I think that's great. Oh, so good. I think there's some good cinematography stuff. There is some really good cinematography, especially with the lake. And I, I, I really do think that saves the movie. But I I think just <laughs> the simple fact that, like, it's a boring film keeps me from going higher than a three. Because, like, what's the worst sin a piece of entertainment can commit? Mm. Being uninteresting, you know? That's understandable. I see where you're coming from. And I ha- I hate to say that, because, like, I enjoy this film. Yeah. But I also know, like, if I want to watch this film, I kind of just want to skip to the end and just watch that. And the worst part is, I could do that and not lose anything. I think... I'll just give you Baba Wolf. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of what your perspective comes from this film is that you've seen it before, and I think the reason I like it so much is because that's the first time I've ever seen that. That's I didn't fair. expect any of it, you know what I mean? And that's why I'm just like... I don't want to say like it was. It's it is not mind blowing, but it's just super cool. Oh yeah, and I think like everything that happens near the end of the film makes that uninteresting, boring part of the film pay off. Yeah, it's like I've been waiting 
for the entire movie to see all this cool shit. And all this cool shit is cool enough that I go, that was worth it. That's fair. I just, like, I would appreciate that in a normal film. Like, we talked about Sleepaway Camp. It does that. Yeah. But the difference is that the downtime where we're building up to that is interesting because it mm-hmm. relies on the characters. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like this film had strong enough characters to do that. Yeah. Some of the characters are pretty nothing. They're pretty nothing, which trend that you'll see in slashers going on. Yeah. Lots of nothing characters in a lot of movies. But I, but I will say, like, Alice, Bill, and Brenda are... There like, was a few. And yeah. They're good. It was fun, but they didn't have enough dialogue or scenes together to really sell it. Yeah. Like, like we said, the strip monopoly was great. If the film had had more of that, I could have given it a higher rating. But not only did it not have enough of that, but it's in the back end of the film where I'm already entertained with, like, kills and stuff. Mm-hmm. Makes it, you know. Yeah, that's fair. And, I mean, you're right. Like, I'm I'm watching it having seen it a couple times. So, you know, it's a little bit more old stick for me. Fair. Than I think it is for you. But, I mean, like, watching it with someone else is its own entertaining experience. And for, I think... For us both to have been bored in the first, I don't know, 30 minutes says a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? Don't think it's a bad film. It's just like, I mean, a three, for me, that's middling, right? That's middle yeah. of the road. But objectively, that's what? A six out of ten, so like a 60%. Which is what it got across the board, what it got basically. Across the board, yeah. All right. I guess we're going to go to the outtakes now. So we'll do those, and then we'll come back. Yeah, we'll uh, see you guys in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of Friday the 13th so far. I'm really glad we finally got to watch it. But if you do not want any spoilers from this outtake section, please skip to 1 hour, 55 minutes, and 3 seconds immediately. This first clip is our reaction to the cold open. Oh, my God. Oh! Gut wound. That escalated. This escalated quickly. I don't even know who's doing the killing here. This is cool POV stuff. It's actually kind of nice. Also, the music is kind of banging. This next clip is our reaction to the intro credits, and also a little fun fact about the film. Now, I have to say this. Yeah. Boring fucking intro credits. Yeah, it's just white text on a black screen. The music is cool, though. The music is cool, but, like... It's kind of boring. If you have to do... Intro credits. Make them cool. Yeah. Remember Reanimator? Yeah, that had some sick-ass intro credits. What was the one that was uh, animated? Night of the Demons. Yeah. That was cool, too. That wasn't Night of the Demons. It was Night of the Demons, like, two, right? Mm-mm. No, it was the first one? It was the first oh. one. Oh. June 13th, the present. Oh, that's when it released. Oh, it's Friday, the- June 13th. Oh, the it's the day it ca- oh, That's yeah. cool. That is cool. Little little fact. This next clip is our reaction to seeing Crazy Ralph for the very first time. (laughs) Ralph! (laughs) Thanks, Ralph. Thank you, Ralph, for the death curse. Never get out alive! (laughs) Who is that man? It's old man Ralph. (laughs) Crazy Ralph. Oh, God, what a fucking... I mentioned him in the actors. I know. His bicycle of doom. (laughs) The doomsicle. This next clip is our reaction to one of the first kills in the film, and also another fun fact. Oh, it's just a Bowie knife. Oh! Good 
good neck wound. Yeah. That looks really good. Also, uh, fun fact, I I think that was Tom Savini's hands oh, right there. That's real cool. I think. Because I know he, we get to see his hands in one scene, but I don't mm. know which one it is. This next clip is our reaction to Ned being a jackass. And there's Ned. Jesus Christ, Ned. Don't you love how culturally sensitive he is? This next clip is my reaction to this film surprising me. Oh, that's cool. It did the unexpected. That was dope. Like, that's really cool, actually. Wow. This next clip is our reaction to probably the coolest kill in the film. Oh, no. Oh! Oh! Oh my god! <laughs> that was so cool! Yeah. Did you know that I. You knew that was gonna happen? Yeah, I've seen this movie, Bob. That's crazy! What a cool. Wait, he was there the whole time? Under the bed, yeah. That's weird. Well, presumably they were in the cabin, and these two teens walk in making out, and they were like, oh, gotta hide. Sure. But then they have sex, and you just lay under them for the whole time they're having sex, and then you murder one when they leave? It gets lonely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Me and Jason. This next clip is me asking a question and having it immediately answered by the film. I want to see how Bill died. Isn't this such a slow start? Oh! There it is. That's awesome. That's like a pretty good fake body, too. That wasn't a fake body. That was him. That was a pretty good body <laughs> full of <laughs> you arrows. You see his eye moving a little bit. Really? I didn't know. Well, notice. like his, his uh, eyelid flinching a little bit. Hmm. That was really cool. That was a good reveal. Oh, yeah, it was cool. This next clip is our reaction to the final encounter between Pamela and Alice. Oh, getting bit by an old lady. Bob's biggest fear. I'm very afraid of old women. She's not that old. I think she's probably only like 40 or 50. I would say 50s probably. Maybe 40s. I don't know. She's pretty spry. Somebody's got to kill this old bitch. Because if you don't kill her, it's kind of over. Oh! Oh, the fists in the air! She's getting... Oh, that's so cool! What a good head chop. Oh, but you killed somebody. That sucks for you, I guess. This next clip is my reaction to seeing Jason at the end of this film. Oh my god, what the fuck? Hi everybody, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Do we have any announcements, Ben? Um, I mean, there's the usual. Episodes are coming out on Friday. Look forward to those. But our other thing is that, like, you know, we're doing this series now for a little bit. But we're going to have kind of a weird release order for this, at least from what we've been doing 
for our most recent like special stuff. Yeah. So these episodes are going to come out today, so Saturday, and also Wednesday. Yep. So Friday the 13th Part 2 is coming out Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that. Yep. And then the Saturday after it is the next one, and then... then so on and so forth for 12 movies. Till we're done. I guess, what, six weeks? Yeah, it would be six weeks. And maybe... Maybe we'll do three in a week or something like that. I don't know. It depends on what we... Yeah, we'll see. Something might happen. Worst case, but we'll tell you. Well, because we kind of want to have all these out before we go to the convention, just for, like, easiness, essentially. (laughs) Just so we're done. Just so we're done. Because, you know, when we go to the convention, we're going to have to do a a spoiler, a convention wrap-up episode where we talk about our experience at the convention and, you know, how much of a good time we had and all the stuff we did. So we don't want to have to be working on these, putting these out, and doing that. (laughs) That's not an issue for me, but it's an issue for Bob who has to edit. And then we have another thing coming out during October. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> and later. another thing coming out during October. Yeah. It's Halloween month, baby. We're a horror podcast. We're busy. Okay. Um, Moving on from that, you know, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. You're probably there right now, but we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, other interweb places. Uh, we're also on YouTube which is a good place to check us out if you want to show us some love because we can see your subscriptions and your likes. It's also kind of nice because there's like this little bell-shaped button that you can smash, and uh, that lets you know whenever we post a new video, which just happens to be whenever we upload a new episode on our other podcasting places. So if you don't have like notifications or something turned on uh, where you get your podcast from, or uh, maybe there's not an option, where you're listening to those. I don't know where you're listening. I don't know how many places we're on, <laughs> honestly. But YouTube's kind of an easier way maybe to like have notifications for that if you really want to know whenever we do upload, even though it's <laughs> a set schedule. Most we're of the time. pretty good about it. I mean, um, we usually announce if we're going to upload yeah. on a different day. YouTube's also kind of nice because there's this thing called the comment section on each video, and you can like communicate with us. Uh, we do read those. It's really nice. It's fun to see what you guys think about like certain movies, or mm-hmm. also our takes on them. Yeah. Because I know you guys have different opinions sometimes. Yeah. And at least for me, it's cool seeing that because I think even if I disagree with you, I can respect that you have a different opinion. Yeah. And it's always cool to see your reasoning because that can help me learn. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, it's just refreshing seeing what other people think about stuff when, yeah. like, we have a... Because, like, are we honest? This is a soundboard where we bounce off of each other. Exactly. It's very much an echo chamber of me and Ben screaming at each other with our dumb opinions. Because so it's nice to throw in other ones eventually. <laughs> Getting to show Bob movies means I get to shape his opinions and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, you can also uh, communicate with Bob on Twitter. That's the other place to communicate with us. You know? Kind of stalk him on that platform. <sighs> Give him the old... Okay, don't stalk me, first of all. Please don't. I will. I will file a restraining order. It, you're fine as long as you don't horny. <laughs> if you horny, you're dead. <laughs> Which is kind of concerning because you got those uh, sensitive content things all over our uh, Twitter page. Well, that's not. Well, that is my fault. Oh, actually. Uh, but they're, you, they're safe, right? Yeah. You know, like Ben said, check us out on Twitter at Beware the Board. It's where I post updates about the show, information about the show, basically anything you want to know about the show goes on our Twitter. On Mondays. I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is basically a hidden movie cover that you can reveal to see what it is so you can watch the movie before we do. And so whenever we're talking about a movie, you don't get any spoilers. On Fridays or whatever days an episode goes up, I always post a link to the episode with an associated meme, maybe if Ben makes one or if something is funny enough, 
So if you ever missed an upload, wonder when something went up, or want to find something, there's always a link on our Twitter. Last thing, we're doing short-form content now on TikTok and YouTube Shorts. I cut old outtakes from old episodes. I cut new content from old episodes. Basically, if you're into short-form content and like the show, check us out at Beware the Board and on YouTube Shorts. I think that's it, Ben. All right. See you guys next time. Yeah, we'll uh, see you guys next time. Bye.